Hello and welcome to episode 6 of NPS We Trust. My name's Davey and joined with me as always is Phil. Greetings, boy. And Spencer. I don't know how to follow that. So we're a fortnightly PlayStation podcast and we each bring a topic of discussion to the table to go in-depth on. We fell into that show structure a couple of episodes ago, but I'm sorry to say we're breaking that structure already because we've got two meaty topics to discuss today. But first, before we get into that, boys, what are you drinking? As might come a bit of a shock to everyone this week, but I'm drinking Budweiser. Nice. Oh my Classic. god, what a, what a surprise. That's yeah. uh, that, Oh my god, I hope the bookkeepers are ready for that one. Hmm. Spence, do you like do you like any other lagers or is it just Bud Light? Oh, sorry, Budweiser that you drink. You dare say Bud Light to me again. Well, this it is... might come up with what I'm drinking. Ooh, well, um, well, Budweiser is typically just the cheapest. And these ones, I actually added a bit of a Christmas present from a certain someone. Uh, he's kind of gifted me a few times in the past, but this one was a bit of a special occasion rather than to earn my bias. I can expect you then, this episode, to be completely... Down the line. This is your own opinions again. You set off, or has Phil actually got you in his pocket again? <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> Great. I thought I'd go for a bit of a change. I think actually every single episode of the show, I've been on the Spanish at some point. You know, obviously there was that fabled, fabled episode a couple of episodes ago where I was chucking my guts up after drinking, you know, Spanish lager and cider. So that hasn't happened again. I'm actually, I'm on the Japanese beer today. I'm on the Asahi today. <laughs> I hope you enjoy my Japanese pronunciation. Because I would say Asahi, because I'm British. Does that have any bearing on our current listeners, Davey? I know you review the analytics uh, fortnightly after the podcasts come out. Do we have any listeners over in Japan? No, uh, no, none from Japan. So I'm going to say it's Asahi. And if we suddenly get an influx of Japanese, then I do apologize in advance. Also, it's written in English, so if I'm saying it in English, it's the correct way. That's so you're saying English words. So you're work. saying if it was in um, katakana or hiragana, um, you would pronounce it in the Japanese tongue. Oh, exactly. Yeah, of course. Uh, know it intrinsically. Of course, I would. Just like um, uh, Romanji, you know. Just like I got Romanji on lock. I got all these all these languages. <laughs> I can't even what they're called. Of course you would have Romanji on lock because that's English. Yeah, so so I just you know, exactly. <laughs> Let let's hope you've got English down, come on. I only just figured it out, yeah. I am a Welsh boy after all. What about yourself? Dion. 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 Dion indeed. Diachumval. So what are you on today, mate? Um well, I had a pretty heavy one last night with a works party. Um so I'm riding that buzz. Um, with some Bud Lights. I have not gone heavy tonight. Um, I tend to suffer quite a lot after these podcasts uh, recordings. Um, so I stepped it down, took a step back, put away the IPAs, and gone down to my old faithful Bud Light. This way, the only person I know that drinks Bud Light and actually enjoys it. Same here. I actually, love it, mate. Same for me. Love it. It's, uh, I mean, this is, this is the thing. So we already know that you've got a terrible taste in movies. With I have. your love for I'll the admit that. evil movies. I'll admit that. We know that. We know that you've got some terrible choice in games that you follow with League of Legends. Um, and <laughs> I should see... Oh, you can't see this listener, but the reaction on Spencer and Phil's face, it was like as I just stabbed them. It's too early for these kind of digs. We're not drunk yet. But 
Couple that with some terrible beer choices there as well. Bud Light is just, it's the lowest of the low. You might as well just get Tesco Value Lager. In fact, I haven't tried that before, but I bet it's better than Bud Light. I'm, I'm a big supporter of Bud Light. And uh, what's quite interesting about Bud Light is they've um, teamed up with uh, Team Fanatic, who run a team within League of Legends. And they're actually uh, sponsoring their packs. So, um, yeah, there was an opportunity to win a free headset um, with this pack of Bud. Um, I put the code in. and fortunately, I didn't win this time. But, you know, I like Bud Light, so I'll keep drinking. And potentially, I might have a Fnatic uh, headset in future episodes. You never know. I hope everyone knows if... that he's saying this. Currently, he is wearing a Fnatic jersey. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> this is why I've always told you, boys, that we got to stream a podcast one time because the video adds such a such an important dimension to this this back and forth. I really don't want to see what I look like in the editing suite for like six hours. Of... This this episode, obviously, these episodes go out, they're like two hours. We record for like six hours sometimes, and we get pretty trashed. So by the end of an episode, having to look at that myself, editing it, I don't want to see that. I'd rather just forget it ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that bad, mate, when you've got your shirt off and you're swinging it around your head and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God, dear God. Well, let's, let's move on. Should we, should we quickly move on? What have we all been playing? It's been two weeks since the last episode, so a lot's happened, and there's a lot to talk about, I imagine, looking at your lists. Death start off, Spence, lay it on me. What have you been playing? Um, well, I haven't actually been playing a lot recently. Uh, I platinum Demon Souls. Let's give a quick clap for Spenpai getting the Demon Souls plat- platinum. What, what number is that, Spence? Uh, number six, I think. Oh, you're catching me up. Yeah, mate. Uh, How many platinums you on, Phil? I knew you were going to ask that, and I don't actually know. It's only like mm. 10, isn't it? Let, should I look it up quickly? He, he's been on compare trophies. Yeah, you look it up, <laughs> and whilst you do, I kind of have something I wanted to fill you boys in on, right? Um, I only compare my trophies with yours, Davey. It's <laughs> the only reason I go on there. <laughs> so I bought a game the other day because it was 99 pence. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> it's not the Mayo game, is it? Here we go. It's, Did you buy My Name is Mayor? I bought My Name is Mayor. Oh! It took me 30 minutes, and I got a platinum. That doesn't count. <laughs> you can't have that in your list. Okay. Oh, that I, doesn't I, count. I found <laughs> out how many platinums I've got, and I've got seven. So that platinum you've just got definitely doesn't count, because we're very, <laughs> we're very close now. Oh, shit. <laughs> there was a good exchange we were having on Twitter before where I was feeling a little bit sorry that I've gotten Spence into the platinum mindset and kind of changed him into being a bit of a trophy hunter because it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's definitely a two-sided thing where you can't look at a game on PlayStation, or I can't anyway, without checking the trophy list and checking out if the platinum's something that's achievable for me before then that influences how I play the game. Yeah. And I did feel a little bit sorry that I kind of tainted you in that way. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely going to affect the way I play games in the future, but I think it's actually a good thing because other than, obviously, I played Smash competitively for a few years, I'm kind of out of that wave at the minute because of COVID and the game's just a bit shit. It's given me a reason to enjoy games again. It's given me a reason to play games, so I'm quite happy. And sure, it's going to be tedious, but I just won't play those games, you know? Davey, I've got a question for you. So Spencer just openly admitted buying a game for the purpose of getting a trophy. Have, have you ever been down that uh, rabbit hole with games? No. I mean, I've been quite upfront. 
in these podcasts sharing my worst stories. So last episode, I shared one of my darkest secrets about paying for an online pass for Resistance Burning Skies so I could get the Platinum as that was the last trophy that was, yeah, and it's a terrible game. But no, I haven't done that. And I won't do that only because it just sullies your entire Platinum list. Right, hold on. I want to interject there because Davey knows me very well. He knows I love to mash. He knows I'm good at mashing. And the whole purpose of My Name is Mayo is just mashing. And I love to mash. I've literally, I literally practiced mashing methods a few weeks ago to try and improve my mash. So it's not solely the purpose of the Platinum. Granted, that is all it gave me. But I got to just mash for the day and help mash. I, I like mashing. I enjoyed it. I mean, the thing about it is, I think that argument would hold weight if there was like a leaderboard. There is a so leaderboard. there was how quickly you've done it. Oh, there is? Yeah. Oh, well, fuck me then. There's this leaderboard for most, um, like most buttons pressed. So obviously whoever's done it the most. And I think this fastest mash. Where are you on those leaderboards, Spence? I... Because there's there's one set one thing saying there are leaderboards, and then there's another thing saying you're actually competitive within these leaderboards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, bu- I, bu- I bought this game for a platinum, and there are leaderboards, so it is competitive. <laughs> but I'm I'm three hundred thousandth. You know, I probably am three hundred thousandth. I mean, I'm decent at mashing. Oh, the thing is, I I haven't learned the other mashing technique, which would bump me up to twenties. So at the minute, I'm getting like thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen a second. So I'm not very high on there, but I'm going to learn. But no, I, I, I don't think it's an excuse. For, and I do think that you are a mug. It was 99p. For buying that. I don't care how much it is. You're still paying for a trophy. I, I'm not about that. Not about that. Like, I don't respect it. MP. I don't respect it at all. I was just going to say, surely that is a viable business model for, you know, game producers out there. To create games purposely for the reason of getting platinum trophies. Yeah. There are a few games like this, actually. There's already a few okay. on the store, which exist solely for... You just do, like... There's some where you just match up a couple of shapes or whatever, and you get, like, a gold trophy, and then you do, like, ten of those, and you get a platinum. Yes. And it is solely for that. But I just think, you know, you look at some people, and they've got, like, 500 platinums or something, and then you actually go into their list, and you're like, Jesus Christ, these are all just shit platinums. They don't count. Whereas... Some people who've got like, I don't know, 100 Platinums or for myself, like 71 Platinums. And they're all of, you know, great games other than the Telltale ones. But, you know, they count for me. We've already established that. You know, that, that that's the thing about it. I just think you're kind of devaluing it yourself, Spence. But regardless, well done on the Demon Souls Platinum. Well really done. well done. Thank you, boys. Really, really good. Um, I actually already know what game I'm going to Platinum next. Because uh, when I bought My Name is Mayo... I saw that there's a My Name is Mayo too, And now, and now you know I've got seven platinum trophies. <laughs> <laughs> How um, much is that one, mate? It's not like 20 quid, is it? No, it's a 40 99 40 <laughs> It's 99p. It's 99p. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jesus that, Christ. That would be brilliant if the first game is, is like a quid or whatever. Yeah. The second, the second game is like 50 quid. But you could get a platinum trophy, you know. <laughs> Jesus. No, boys. I love then. that. That's, that's cool. The actual game I think I'm going to platinum next is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Because I've kind of mostly done it already. Other than beat the game in hard mode, I think. And that's it. That'd be big. That'd be a big one to get. That's something I don't have. Um, I know I need to do one more playthrough of it too yeah. for the Platinum, but I just I'm not in the mood for it at the moment. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's a good... It's when you get the uh, the moment strike you and you feel like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Then at least you know you got a Platinum at the end of it, which is always quite nice. Yeah. A nice little way to will yourself through it. 
But what else have you been playing then, Spence? So obviously, beat uh, Demon Souls. Oh, have your thoughts changed about the game at all? Obviously, we were really hyping it up last time, speaking a lot, and went quite in depth on it. Your thoughts or opinions changed on it since last time, um, or anything you want to add to the discussion? I still, I still think it's a bloody brilliant game, absolutely amazing. I, I'm still so amazed that it was a launch title for the console. I think it's insane that it came out with the console. I honestly, I'd have liked if it came out a bit later on, so we could get a special edition like Steelbook. But I'll take what I get. I got to play it sooner. I don't know how I feel about co-op on it. As in, obviously it's brilliant and you have the screen share. But when I played Dark Souls, I'd start a new character with my friend Dan and we'd co-op it together. And I don't think it'd be too good for that because there's not a lot of ephemeral eyes which you need for co-op early on. So I think it's better co-op for New Game Plus to finish off bosses and your character, you know? What what else other than Demon Souls have you played? Uh, right, well, so now that that game's behind me and it's uninstalled from my PlayStation, uh, I started Monster Hunter Worlds, which is cool. It runs really well. It has three modes, which are like performance, uh, resolution, no, resolution, graphics, and frame rate. However, on the PS5, because it's a PlayStation 4 game, the PS5 is so powerful that regardless of which mode you choose, it still runs at a constant 60. So you may as well just either pick the graphics or the resolution and you'll get the frame rate results regardless. And you got that game as part of the PlayStation Plus collection, right? I did, mate. On the PlayStation 5? Yes, yes, I did. So yeah, we've been playing that together and, and we, we've played, what, three hours? Yeah. Three, four yeah. hours, I'd say? Not much, but a bit. What are you thinking about it? I think it was a bit awkward to get co-op to work. Um, but other than that, it's cool. It looks really pretty, especially for a PS4 title. Um, like it kind of looks next gen it's a bit mad yeah i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it i'm not sure how invested i want to get into it but i am enjoying it at the moment yeah i i gotta say i'm finding it i'm finding it a bit convoluted i'm finding the systems and everything a bit overwhelming yeah um this there seems to be like menus within menus and every single thing you do seems to have 10 different menus that are roughly correlated to it mm. and the things that i thought would be quite easy like going to hunt a particular thing. So we were in that map for, what, 45? 50 minutes, mate. 50 minutes, yeah. Oof. And we couldn't find that creature for that entire 50 minutes. No. And so we had to go online to find out exactly where it was and then just killed it in two minutes flat. Yeah. <laughs> so I do find the hunting element of it really quite hard. Yeah, I mean, I understand how you mean, but I don't think it's hard. I'd say it's a learning curve rather than it being difficult. I'm sure once we learn more about the game and how it actually functions and works, we'll kind of fly for it. Do you reckon you're going to go for a platinum on that? Fuck off. <laughs> My <laughs> fuck. What, the, the platinum, I, we looked it up, obviously. The platinum's quite easy. It's actually only a 4 out of 10 difficulty scale. However, the one trophy is reach mon uh, Monster Hunter level 100, which will take you about 300 hours or so. Oh. So no. It's a 500 hour plus platinum. Christ. Um, so I'm not going to be getting that. I mean, you never know. We could chip away at it over this entire console generation. We could we could maybe do it. I think it's very much a doable platinum, but it's not, you couldn't invest and be like, this is my next platinum. It's just a casual game you'd put in your, like you'd hop on twice a week maybe and just chip away and maybe it'll pop one day. Maybe it won't. But I'm not yeah. going for that platinum. Jesus Christ. Hell no. <laughs> no. Got to be a madman. Yeah. Got to be an absolute madman. Because we, we, we are talking about a, you know, a three-year-old game here, aren't we? 
uh, in Monster Hunter World. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a there is a new one coming uh, relatively soon on, on on Nintendo, isn't there? So do you think Monster Hunter Rise is something that you'll you'll play after playing this game? Uh, I'll tell you exactly, mate. Uh, I've never teased or tested Monster Hunter before this. I never probably will again unless this game blows me away. The reason I'm playing it is because it was for free. Exactly the same with me. I am not feeling fully invested in it. I'm interested by it. And the more it's opening up, the more interested I am getting by it. It is a, it is a huge franchise, though, isn't yeah. it, for Capcom? It's, what, it's one of their biggest games. It's, it is their biggest. Yeah, it's the, it's the most successful game they ever, they ever put out. It sold more than Street Fighter 2, which is nuts. Yeah, that's mad if you put into context, uh, at least in, in the UK and sort of, uh, you know, Europe, that Street Fighter and Resident Evil are so prevalent. Yeah. Uh, and then for a game like this to come along and they're like, yeah, this is our this is our game. It's mad, isn't it? I think I own three or four different copies of Street Fighter 2. Yeah, I think most people own at least two. Yeah, like I definitely most own people. a lot more. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing. And then to think that Monster Hunter World's outsold that entire, entire game is just nuts. Um, but I suppose that just goes to show how popular the franchise is. But I don't think it's a game for me, ultimately. I think that's the thing about it. I don't think it's my... It's definitely not my preferred genre. Yeah. I am enjoying it, and I'm going to stick with it and see how it goes. But the fact that Rise is coming out on Switch, or if the next one gets announced, I'm not going to be excited for it. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't have that attachment to it just yet. But who knows? By next episode, you never know. We might be 10 hours in. I might feel a little bit different. Uh, other than Monster Hunter, boys, there's only one more game I've been playing. And I only started playing it yesterday. But I played it a lot in the past. And that's Call of Duty Cold War. And I played it in the alpha and the beta. And this week is a free week of multiplayer. So I started playing that yesterday, last night, and one game today. And I love Call of Duty. I used to love it so much as a kid. And then I went maybe six years. not Probably not even six years. A good few years of just not playing Call of Duty. And then obviously we were really excited last year for Modern Warfare. And now Cold War. I feel the same. I love Call of Duty again. Is, is Cold War a Treyarch one with zombies? It is Treyarch, yes. Yeah, is Black that Ops, what we're talking? Black okay. Ops Cold War. Yeah. I've been playing Cold War as well. I won a competition on Twitter with the British Army, and so I got the game for free. That was really good, and it was one of those games that I did want to check out in the launch period. There was too many other games that I wanted to play first, so I probably wasn't going to get it till in the new year. But I had the opportunity to obviously win that competition, and, and so I've been playing it quite a bit. I've been playing, I've played about six, seven hours of it now, um, just playing the multiplayer. It's, it's a bit of a weird one, really, because with COD, I was mega up on COD, when COD 4 first launched, Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2, I was all about COD. Played them every single year for that entire stretch. And then I just kind of got sick of it. I just got sick of it being the same game every single year yeah. and just stopped. And then it wasn't until the Modern Warfare beta and alpha for last year that we tried out gun game and a couple of the different modes and I really enjoyed it. 2v2 gunfight. I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved my time with it. So I bought the game, bought Modern Warfare last year, and I only put, I completed the campaign, really enjoyed the campaign, I thought it was brilliant, and then started playing the multiplayer, and within a few hours I was done with it. Just yeah. didn't like it, didn't like how slow it was, how campy it felt, um, really kind of put me off. I think, I think our issue with Modern Warfare was in the whole beta was Gunfight 2v2s, where me and you were really into it. I brought my PlayStation over yours, and we landed it. It was bloody brilliant. And then yeah, awesome. the game came out and we had all these other game modes and we just never played gunfight again. Yeah, that's probably it. That was probably it, yeah. And so I I, I gotta say I'm really, really besotted by this by this card. I love it. 
And on PS5, the adaptive triggers, oh my god, they feel so good. They feel actually amazing. The difference between like holding a sniper and holding a, a submachine gun, like pulling that, that gun up and feeling that kind of weight of the gun by the trigger press being hard to pull all the way up until it gets right up to your face, it's just amazing. And I love it. I really, really love it. Um, do you ever feel that the adaptive triggers kind of pull you out of the gameplay? Because I know a lot of them are quite hard to pull. No, because there's no... It, it's not like as if it actually affects the gameplay. Like, say, for example, if you weren't pulling the Sniper 1 hard enough, you weren't putting enough force on it, it wouldn't lift. All you have to do is touch it, and, and it removed, just like as if it, it wasn't adaptive. And so it just adds that element to it. But in terms of gameplay, it doesn't actually affect gameplay, sure. which I think is a really, really clever tool, because otherwise I'd turn them straight off. If they were going to affect gameplay and it was down to the speed of that would affect how quick it comes up, I, I wouldn't be about it. But because it doesn't affect that, it means it can still be used in a competitive environment. I, I was just going to ask, could you actually turn them off? Which is, you know, that's that's a really nice added bonus that, you know, you can either have them if you if you want that kind of realism within the game, or you can just turn them off if, if it is hampering kind of competitive nature of it. But adaptive triggers, when, when they sort of got announced, then I thought, you know, first-person shooters was definitely where it's going to excel. Yeah. Those sort of games, or, or, you know, I'm not a big racing fan, but... I'm sure it would be really cool in Gran Turismo, like pressing those adaptive triggers for the for the throttle. They're definitely going to do something with that, aren't they? For the first time ever in my life, I'm actually quite interested in the next Gran Turismo, solely because I want to feel what it's like to drive on the the tarmac and then go off the road and stuff, and just feel the difference in the tire. And there, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. But David, you have got that force feedback Logitech uh, driving wheel, haven't you? That you you bought? I didn't buy it for me. I bought we bought it for one for our mates, right? This is a story. This is going off. And I know this is going off. So, <laughs> listener, I said this a few times over the episodes, but this is our podcast. We go off some places, and sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it works, and other times it just makes it a pain on the edit. So we'll see where this goes. We have a friend who isn't really much of a gamer, but he's really adept at racing games, really, really good at them. It comes from his, uh, his ability to drive really well in real life to do racetracks and things like that yeah whenever we've gone to go-karts tracks he's always been first and he's always beaten us by miles so there is there is some skill there isn't there definitely definitely and so you know he understands all his racing lines and all these different things which i don't really don't really know and don't really care about to be honest and so i thought right well the new gran turismo was coming out it's on ps3 so it was gran turismo 5 i think or maybe gran turismo 4 i'm not sure so there was the logitech uh, force feedback wheel which was like £300 or something. There was six of us in our friend group, and we all chipped in. I put like 120 or quid towards it, I think. I remember putting money towards it as well. This is why yeah. it's come up. <laughs> and what happened was he played it for a week and then never touched it again. <laughs> it's the most angry I've ever been. Go around to his house and see that he's playing Call of Duty. I'm like, why aren't you on Gran Turismo? He's like, well, I, I'm not in the mood to play it. I'm like, play fucking Gran Turismo. Bought <laughs> you that wheel. Like, why aren't you playing it? Yeah, I, I felt like is it, it was like a slight against me. Out of all of us, he should have been the one to absolutely love that game. Rinse it. He should have got the Platinum Trophy because he understands everything about cars. You know? Like, he's got the wheel. He's got the game. Why wasn't he playing it? It just made no sense. It's an insult. It's an insult. And so he's not going to be listening to this. Because I don't think he understands how technology works and how the internet works. 
That was the most infuriating thing ever. Absolutely infuriating. But no, so I don't, I don't own the wheel, but I might have to get one if I do actually get into Gran Turismo, which I doubt, because I'll probably get lapped a few times and then think, do you know what? This isn't for me. Same way with 300 quid. Uh, no, no, definitely not. And I can barely drive in reality, so there's also that too. So that brings up a good point. Um, you know, we've we've all been in and out of the FGC and we've all bought flight sticks in the past, you know. Those are, you know, 120, 150, maybe even 200 a go. What are the most expensive peripherals you've sort of bought and then have you got the use out of them? Because I feel like the amount of flight sticks I've got, I've definitely not, especially the newest one that I bought. I bought like... Um, the newest Razer one for Street Fighter Five, oh, and I, I didn't get, I, I did not get the money's worth out of that because I didn't play the game enough. Um, but the previous edition, which was the tournament edition fight stick that I bought, we definitely played Street Fighter Four a hell of a lot on that. And I think for the 150, 120 we spent on those, we definitely got our money's worth. I, I bought quite a few expensive different gaming peripherals. I think with gaming peripherals or any peripherals or anything really, how much you spend on it does equate to a, a value. Yeah. of that product not always the case not always the case there's some things where you know as soon as you get into the proper top echelon there could be a hundred dollar or hundred pound price difference between two products which really there isn't much performance difference but i think if you're comparing like a 20 pound fight stick compared to a 200 pound fight stick massive difference there in terms of having the samwa buttons having everything work properly having all your buttons register everything like that same with headphones with gaming headphones my headphones are like £300 and I love them. Uh, they're fantastic. I use them all the time. For me personally, with my with my fight sticks, I've owned four different fight sticks now. It all just depends on what, what the game is at the time that grabs my attention, I suppose. Mm. So my TE2, which is the one that came out for last generation from Mad Cats, that had loads of use because Dragon Ball Fighters was out. So I put 500 odd hours into Dragon Ball Fighters. That had a lot of use. Whereas my... TE1, my old faithful for Street Fighter 4, that got absolutely pounded into oblivion because of how much I played that game. So I think it all just depends on how the mood strikes. And at the moment, there's no fighting games that are speaking to me. But hopefully Street Fighter 6 or, you know, the competitive PlayStation All-Stars 1v1 fighter will come out and that will, uh, and that will change everything. PlayStation All-Stars 2. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know about yourself, though, Spence. Obviously, your fight stick you've got is a bit of a cheaper one. Oh, mate, I'll go into it. Are you ready? You ready for this? Right. I have a bad habit of buying universal fight sticks, and that's because I've always owned kind of every console of a generation. I've had, I, I had the Xbox 360 and the PS3. I had... Well, I never bought a fucking Xbox One, because, come on. But my first fight stick, I was playing Third Strike, and I was playing it on Xbox and PS3. Well, the the 360 version is the primary version you play it on, isn't it? With, yeah. With Third Strike. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, I was playing Third Strike on my Xbox and I was playing Mortal Kombat on my PlayStation with my friend Kalen. So I didn't want to get two fight sticks. So I bought a, a Dattel or Dattel, whatever it was, Street Fighter fight stick and it was 30 quid and it was... Well, as soon as I got it, I was like, let's go. I got a fight stick. I pressed the button. I went... And I tried moving the stick. It was disgusting. And I still had it until about a month ago when I threw it out. Yeah. You do get what you pay for, especially with something like that. You really do. You do. But then after that, I bought my second stick was a TE1 round two fight stick. So like Great the stick. Street Fighter 4, but it was the gray one. Um, yeah. 
that stick. Bill, you got that one. Beautiful. Mate, I've got a lot of fight sticks. And, <laughs> and you had you you had a free one as well, didn't you? At some point, um, from yeah, uh, you, you've got a contact of backouts, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. I had um I had a, a beta version. I I did a trial for them on um one of their fight pads they had. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of doing like a hybrid version of a controller for people who only play on pad. And uh, and so I did a trial for them and did like a review on ways they can improve the stick and, st- and on the pad and stuff. I still got that actually. So I had that tournament edition fight stick, uh, Mad Cats, whatever. I got it from CEX. It was supposed to be, what, a £200 fight stick on release? I got it for 50 quid. Oh, that's good. Really good. And I felt it. I asked the guy when uh, he's like, so you want this one? I was like, yeah, can I feel the buttons first? And he was like, yeah, whatever. And I just kind of started tapping the buttons. And I was like, oh my God, this is pen. Because I was going from a fucking dattle to tell whatever it was, 30 quid stick to this. And I was like, oh my God. Then... Two days later, I had a Street Fighter First Strike tournament. First ever tournament I'd been to. Got fucking slapped. Got destroyed harder than I ever have in my life. We have all been there. Yeah. That's the path of the FGC. That's what you... Everyone has to go through that. Anyone who talks about their first tournament ever, and they, you know, they won it or anything, they're talking shit most of the time. Because most people go to a tournament and get fucked. And they always think they're absolutely godlike. And then reality kicks in that actually you're just pretty shit at the game. It happens to everybody, don't they? You know, you, you beat your, your your friends that come around and drink vodka on a Thursday night that's all pissed up and, and you win every match and you think you're God at the game. You spend some money, you buy yourself a fight stick and then you think you're pro. Then you go to a tournament and you get knocked out first round. It hurts, but we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, reality kicks in pretty strong. That's what I think is great about the FGC is that it just weeds out the week immediately because you either stick with it then and become good and then you're that person that's bodying those people on their first tournament. Hell yeah. Or you just quit and walk away. And that's it. The FGC is such a good community for growing from the grassroots level and especially in a local area and inciting that competition and that friendly banter and such a good community to be involved in. It is a shame that most people don't stick around but then at the same time you've got to have that aptitude for competition and you've got to be able to lick your wounds pick yourself back up and think nah let's get good or you play a broken character you turn up to the odd event and people start to fear you because you take a round off some rated players have we known anyone like you you're not talking about us are you by any point because i I definitely not in that category am i Uh, i mean you're talking about you i i mean some people refer to me as no fear phil (laughs) <laughs> on Lucario. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That's where this is going. That's where he's going. That's where he's going with it. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. How could I forget? How could I forget the uh, the legend, the the man, the myth, the rogue that is No Fear Phil? The highlight of my Smash career. <laughs> Take it around. Of Jay Miller, who absolutely bodied me. He's and a I big played s- that game at a at a, a decent level. He's a big scalp, mate, and he's hanging on my wall. Well, it's like the same way at that Street Fighter 4 tournament that I beat Problem X. That no one remembers. No, he, he won't remember it either because, you know, he just he wanted just to forget about it. And sure, it was a friendly. And sure, he bodied me double perfect the following game. But, you know, I still took that game. So And I still looked at him smug as shit. And then I knew. I knew I'd fucked up. But I can't help myself. So I was like, oh, GG's, mate. Stay free. And then just got absolutely bodied. 
you know he's still competitive in the um, Street Fighter Five scene. And he's oh still yeah, plays, he's like yeah, Evo champ, top, top level. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like won Evo a couple of times. He's absolutely godlike. So you're yeah, throwing yeah. some big shade on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know I couldn't beat him. I know I couldn't beat him. <clears throat> Not yet. Not yet. If I tried to, if I tried to, you know, if I pick the game up, no problems. But it's just a shit game, isn't it? Street Fighter Five. Mate, I don't even play Smash. <laughs> that's it's true. true. Oh, that's that such true. an FGC thing to say. Everyone says that. You'll play someone, they got like 2,000 hours into a game. They're like, oh, I only just picked this up on Thursday. It's like, <laughs> fuck off, mate. Yeah, all but, right. But the funny thing is, I don't actually play Smash, and all I did was play the story. So Yeah, which is something I haven't done. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> terrible. About that. terrible. Anyway, this is a tangent on a tangent. It is, yeah. yeah. Any other games for you, Spence? Uh, games? Well, it's um, peripherals, mate. This is like Inception on the podcast level. We've got to go back a tangent and finish that tangent before we go back onto the main topic, which yeah. was, what is Spence playing? Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is full Inception mode. My Don't, God. We started with, what am I playing? <laughs> and we're still oh going. God. Right, I'll be quick. I'll be quick, yeah? So I've only owned one other fight stick. It was the Mayflash Universal Arcade Flight Stick F500. And it was great, except for the fact that my controller needs to be plugged into it for it to work. Other than that, the buttons in a stick feel amazing and it works on Xbox, PS4, and maybe PS5. I haven't tried it yet. I probably never will because there's no fighting games on it at the moment other than Mortal Kombat, but those are previous gen. So it doesn't matter. Tangent over, yeah? Take a breath, mate. <laughs> Don't need to. My lungs are sick. So, any other games that you've been playing? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so boys yeah that's all i've been playing really uh phil what about yourself what have you been doing well sort of after last podcast i was you know on on the hype of spider-man so i've 100 percented that now nice on the on on the difficulty i was playing at um which i believe was the hardest one so i'm ready to start my new game plus i've unlocked the daft punk suit yeah miles morales 2020 suit and yeah that is the best suit Yes. Unless the thank you. Unless the unless the new game plus suit, um, no. is, is is anything to talk about? It's dog about. shit, mate. It's absolutely dog shit. The Daft Punk suit is is stunning. You know, yes. I I've had a lot of fun swinging around the city wearing that. It looks awesome. Have you tried it since the, the new update where you can play in RT performance mode? You can play sixty with ray tracing. I haven't actually because I w- I only played that a couple of times. I think straight after the podcast, so probably two weeks ago. Sure. Um, and then I got to the hundred percent. But there's been a hell of a lot of you know, big games for me anyway, personally, that have been released this week or updates that have been released this week. So I've wanted to maybe take advantage of those rather than spend all my time on Spider-Man because I've played the game once and ultimately I'm not a trophy hunter, but now yeah. Spencer is on my tail. <laughs> I might have to put a bit more time into Platinum in um, Spider-Man PS5. If you get it, mate, I'll buy My Name is Mayo too. <laughs> Mate, I'll, I'll, I might buy it. It's only a pound. <laughs> <laughs> Your hands won't be able to manage, mate. Not with that mashing, mate. I've got, I've got auto on my handsets. It's fine. Oh, that's I, bullshit. I'll just plug in my fight stick. Just auto on. That's so smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was pressing X for half an hour. That's so smart, actually. Here we go. It's like the Resident Evil punching the boulder story, how I had to uh, use the fight stick on turbo for that. Because I couldn't mash fast enough. It is, mate. So that, yeah. Good that thinking, the... Phil. Maybe I might get... My name is Phil. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that was the only way to get through that boss fight, wasn't it? You know, on, on the hardest difficulty within Res- Resident Evil 5 we're talking about, aren't we? And yeah, on professional, I, I, yeah. I, I think there was like some ogre and you're on the back of a car and you're like shooting him, aren't you? And then you've got to smash no. the boulder. Isn't it that No, part? no, no. It's in the Wesker fight in the volcano at the end. And oh, you, okay. you run down, there's a, there's just a boulder there. And Chris, instead of just pushing it right, I get with it, his I get weight, it, yeah. I just remember. starts lamping it. He starts going to the body on a fucking boulder. Yeah, And, no, I, and I just couldn't mash fast enough. It's happening. That's okay, no fight. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. You enter as an evil. I know at the start of the podcast we said to each other um, two games we probably won't mention: uh, Death Stranding and Resident Evil. So I just wanted to give them both a shout out and let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Start off immediately. <laughs> well, seeing as you brought it up, Davey, do you know if the ray tracing 60 F- uh, FPS mode sacrifices anything, or is it still constant 4K? No, it's not. It's not. It, it dips as low as 1080. Oh. In terms of the performance, it's a static 60. It's such a minefield, isn't it? For like people that maybe zone out when we have these conversations about frame rate, ray tracing, you know, all, all those kind of technical terms that go along with the PlayStation and what it's able to achieve, you know, these days. Back in the day, you turn on your PlayStation 1 and, and you turn on the cartridge on the back so you can play your hooky games and then you're done. Right, that was the only option. Were you playing a real game or were you playing a hooky game? PlayStation Five, the amount of options that you have to go through is crazy these days. Yeah. But I suppose that's that's where the UI comes in. That on the system you can select how your preferred way to play is, so you don't have to worry about that. So we've caught it immediately. Put me into into a preferred resolution, which I then thought, oh, I'll change that. But I can't get higher than sixty frames on my on my TV anyway, so I might as well keep it in 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 that mode. But no, I think the options are there for people who want them, aren't they? And just like you always always say, Phil, options is the way to go. And so them yeah. going in and adding a middle road, which is something that I said before on this podcast was something I wanted. I'm I'm all about it. So I've got remastered, Spider-Man remastered there to play at some point. So when I get onto that, I'm definitely playing that in RT60. I'm such a hypocrite, right? I'll ask for options, and then when you give me options, I don't want options. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll say this RT60 mode has pissed me off a little bit because, as you both know, my entire playthrough of Spider-Man, I was playing on 1080p monitor, but to get 60 FPS, I couldn't have ray tracing. And now that I've bought a 4K TV and I've finished Spider-Man, they got 1080p 60 with ray tracing, which is what I literally said should have been in the game. Yeah, like this was one of the topics I was thinking about actually for a future episode was once you get a platinum trophy, do you ever revisit a game or is it literally in the bin? You know, like for you, you've platinumed the new Spider-Man and now there's new updates which actually make the game better but don't fundamentally change it story-wise. So is there enough reason then to go back and play the part of the game to see these improvements? I don't know. I I I wouldn't say it wouldn't make me want to play the whole game again. Mm-hmm. But it's a very it's very much like kind of a free roaming game so you could go swing around appreciate the stuff and maybe like say in the future they add DLC which I'm sure they might. I'd get to experience that in the new modes they've added whilst I've not whilst I've been playing other games. So that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that the old Spider-Man on, on PS4, you know, that that had some DLC. Didn't really add a lot to the story, but ultimately, you know, it was interesting enough. Yeah. Um, so with, with Miles Morales, hopefully we'll get some DLC and hopefully you'll get to be experienced that at the, the higher rates. For me, it all comes down to time. And what I mean by that is, so God of War, for example, 
I've platinum God of War. I've done everything possible in that game. Every single thing. Now, it's been two years since I played it. Coming up three next year. And I'm craving to play it again. So even though I've done it, now I'm going to boot that game back up and I can experience New Game Plus mode, which wasn't there when I finished that game originally back in April 2018 or whenever it was. Do you think that's partly my influence, though? Because I have been playing through God of War. I opened this podcast up with a God of War quote. Um, I've been streaming some of it. You've been joining in on it. Do you think I have some kind of influence there to make you want to go back to God of War? I think so, actually, yeah. Because I'm watching your gameplay and I'm thinking, good God, this is kind of painful <laughs> to watch, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm thinking, it, it can't be... Like, am I imagining me playing it completely different to this? I've never seen Kratos be so scared of anything. He's like, you're behind your shield the entire time. It's like you're playing Dark Souls. Whereas I was full on aggro, which is what the game's kind of intended for. And so I think that is part of it, actually. I think I am kind of really, really renewed in wanting to play it. And it's been long enough now that I do want to experience it. I do. I redo. The, the other point of this is actually another game that you and me are both platinum fill, which is Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn. The DLC's out for that now. Uh, obviously, it's been out for years. But that's on PlayStation Now as a downloadable title with the DLC. I've downloaded that onto my PS5 now. I actually started it. I started Ice, um, whatever it's called. Um, frozen. Oh, frozen Wilds. Wilds. Uh, the Frozen Wilds. Yes. So I started it. And oh my God, that's been so long since I played it that I cannot play that game anymore. Mm. I have to start it from the start if I want to do that content because I am getting my ass handed to me. So I think I'm just going to start the game again at some point, but I'm not in the mood for it yet, uh, even though number two is kind of on the horizon. Not <laughs> pun the pun. Brunch. Yeah, because normally with DLCs, they don't go through that sort of training phase that, that they do with the majority of games. You know, the first couple of zones in most games will train you how to either fight or what the guns do or, you know, some of the combat. But DLC basically just drops you in where you left off at the end of the game. So you kind of need to finish the game then straight onto the DLC. But if you have that gap, your skill then depreciates quite a lot, I think. That's the thing. So, you know, even when it comes to laying traps and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, what does this what does this weapon do again? I can't remember what the alternate fire is. And now I'm getting, you know, a massive T-Rex coming at me. And instead of before, I'd be like, oh, come at me, bro. You know, I got you. Now I'm just like, run, run, Peggy, <laughs> get out of here. And uh, it's just weird. It's weird. So I think I'm just going to uninstall it for now and I'll get back to it and do a full run, including the DLC in one quest structure, rather than what I'm doing now with my 100% build character where I've got everything, but I'm just shit. Well, that kind of brings me on nicely to another game I have been playing. Um, I have been playing God of War. I have been revisiting that now on the PS4. I've been streaming a little bit of it. I know, Davey, as I said earlier, you've, you've been joining me, grinding your teeth as you've been watching. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult old game. I didn't realise the combat was going to be so so varied early on. Yeah, it is a really varied combat game. And the thing about it is, even though I'm looking at the way you're playing it, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, like this is so alien to how I played it. But then the difference is, when I completed the game, I was like 40 hours in front of where you are now. And I can't even remember what my combat was like at that point where you are now. So it's probably a similar path. And when I look at somebody who's beaten the end of the game and they're fighting the hardest boss, which is the Queen Valkyrie, and they're slapping her without even taking damage, I realize that I'm a total scrub at that game too. 
because people take the combat and they can do stuff that I can only dream of in that game. It's so creative. It gives you so many options, which I wasn't even remotely aware of. It reminds me a lot of a fighting game. You know, I, I feel like I should have a fight stick out for some of the combos and some of the kind of like things that are going on in that game. But um, no, I am enjoying it. And I'm glad you've, in a roundabout way, forced me to play yet another AAA title that's widely renowned as uh, being an amazing game. <laughs> <laughs> but um yes so i'm about two or three hours in now journey up towards the mountain i've met i've met the witch i've met uh the shopkeepers which are kind of interesting and and the world serpent which reminds me a lot of shenron there's your dragon ball z reference yeah. but yeah yeah it's, it's an interesting game and I, I i can't wait to get back to it but um this week has been stacked there's been a lot of games sort of coming out that have been on my radar for a while so what else have you been playing then, Phil? On the uh, 10th of December, Wild Rift got launched on iOS and Android phones. Um, I know this is a PlayStation podcast, but... Um, <laughs> I was I'm about to say, I was literally about to cut you off like, who cares? <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a bit, I'm, a, I'm a big League fan, so it would be a proper disservice for me not to mention their mobile game has come to mobile. And it is brilliant, to be fair, right? Does it, does it actually course, work well? Is it like all touchscreen controls? Of course, I'm probably always going to say it's good. So to have like an objective view on this, you might have to play it yourselves. But yeah, it's, it's just a cut down version of League of Legends, which pretty much just leaves in the killing. There's, there's less of the kind of minion wave control. Item management is kind of automatic as such. You kind of decide it before the match. Each game probably lasts 15 to 20 minutes instead of your, your 40 minutes to sort of 50 um, that a full game would on the PC. Been loving it. I obviously started off top lane. Um, the character you get given is Garen. And uh, yeah, he's an absolute beast. Are you able to just rush through the mid lane and just destroy the Nexus right away in there? No, Davy's tactic would not work. One hundred percent, and that is a NPS we trust seal of approval. One hundred percent would not work. Well, that's me out then, because I was <laughs> thinking maybe I'm in on this. Maybe this sounds like this is more appealing to someone like me, actually. Not having to worry about those minions, could just go up and slap a tower, or just ignore the towers, just run for it, right? But if you're telling me that's not going to work, then I'm out. To be fair, Davey, I thought you were actually in my last match, because I was top lane with Garen, and I had a twisted fate that just kept running at the opposition jacks, and getting killed after <laughs> getting killed by the jacks, running back into my lane, getting killed by the jacks. So he fed the jacks, and the jacks had 10 kills, and then he won the match. And I was like, this, this, this feels like I'm playing with Davey here. So you're saying Davy's Jacks, right? No, I'm saying Davy's the <laughs> Twisted Fate. Because <laughs> he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And he just kept running in. You, you are a bit of a mobile gamer, though, Phil. You play, you play quite a lot of like mobile games and stuff, don't you? Yeah, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm downstairs with the missus, just on the sofa, you know, and we, we got something on the TV which I'm not interested in, you know, I'll, I'll crack out the mobile. So I, I play a lot of Raid, uh, play a lot of Eve on my mobile as well. So there tends to be the big games that I played historically that have now come to mobile, which is really strange. So it's like full circle. So games like Eve are like, you know, an MMORPG that like is is huge on PC. And, and to have that now on your mobile, it like completely makes sense because ultimately you are just managing a spreadsheet in Eve but the visuals, you know, the new phones obviously can reach those sort of high levels of fidelity when it's producing graphics for you. The new version of Eve is awesome. I mean, phones run Microsoft Excel really well, don't they? So I imagine with spreadsheets and stuff, it's going to be quite an easy thing for them to do. That is pretty much what Eve is. Eve is just a big spreadsheet. And then you've got a couple of pictures of like spaceships 
And yeah, it's a, it, it is a brilliant game. Sounds amazing. So I can see on your list, you've got something on here I've never even remotely heard of, which is Necromunda. So what is that? So Necromunda is a tabletop war game from Games Workshop. This is their video game ad- adaptation of, of, of that game. It's a game that me and my brother played back in the day, and, and now it's on PC. Um, I don't know if there is a PlayStation version of the game. I probably can check that quick. Yeah, it's actually on PS4. There we go. Oh, decent. So what is it then? Is it something that, like a strategy game, you like set your units or is it like an action game? I, I literally don't know a single thing about it. I've never heard of it ever before in my life. Okay, so so Necromunda is a game where you manage gangs. So normally you have control of, you know, four to five different miniatures, uh, which fight. And then it's a progressive game. So each game has bearing on the next game. Right. So in the first game, if your character, for whatever reason, gets killed in the game, in the next game, he might come back into the game, but have some sort of wound, if you like. So he might have got shot in the arm, and then that is a minus on his future progress through the game. Oh, okay. I see. But then, see. But, then not, but then on the flip side, if your character finds an extra gun, then he has the gun in the next game. And then that is carried through within Necromunda on the PC and on PS5. Oh, sorry, PS4. So when you're playing online, once you play a game with your gang, then you come back to the, the base... And then you could like reassess your gang, fix them up, buy new items, and then the next time you play, your gang gets better and better and better. So you don't you don't physically control your character then. You kind of just set off what they do, and then they just go off and do it, or or are you actually physically controlling it, and it becomes like a third person action game? Yeah, it's it, it, it's a turn based strategy game, if you like, but it, it 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 is third person. You take turns, so I'll I'll move my character so many movement points. Um, and then he's got so many action points as well. I'll, I'll I'll move him up to a certain point, and then maybe I'll take a shot at the other team. And then it goes over to the other team to take their turn. I see, I see. Okay, all right. I, I get it, I get it now. Yeah, definitely not my cup of tea, definitely not my kind of game, but I, I know I know what you mean. I, I can see why that would be something that would tickle your fancy. On the, on the 14th, they released a new gang. So that was the gang I used to play back in the day um, called Vansar, and I thought that was uh, quite interesting to stream. So I've been streaming that lately as well. Oh, nice. But I think I think Necromunda is is kind of unique in the sense of where you build a team, you've got that kind of deep customization into the team, and like each mission, once you're playing online, progresses to the next. So as I said, if you find a gun or if you get wounded, that then affects you in the next game. So is it permadeath then? No. So your characters generally will recover from death, which is kind of strange to say, but you wouldn't lose your character. You would then just gain some kind of like minus debuff like a just yeah, a debuff de- l- like a debuff yeah so it just seems like a board game with new game plus pretty much yeah that's a good way to describe it, actually i see one more thing on your list there yeah this this is a big one so randomly i got selected to be on the back for blood alpha so again it's one of those things on twitter where you just sign up oh, this is a game that's coming to pc um coming to playstation uh coming to xbox of course um but i might leave it a little later to talk about it um, because I've been streaming a little bit of it today, and yeah, I've got I've got a couple of notes, and we'll we'll talk about it later because it does come up in the game awards, which is one of our big topics. Sure. So for myself, boys, I've been playing pretty much everything under the sun this last two weeks. I I don't know what's happened. I've kind of took my foot off the YouTube gas. My channel was looking after itself actually for the first time ever, so I didn't actually have to do anything for a couple of weeks. Uh, my videos have been doing really really well. So I thought, right, well, I'm just going to get some games done. So I mean, I've already discussed a lot of them on Spence's because we played a lot of them co-op. So 
Demon Souls got the platinum arm, you can play Monster Hunter World. But I had Spence come around my house and we thought we'd dive into some two-player co-op games. So we booted up PlayStation Now, which is an amazing service for trying a game and seeing kind of what it's like. And I said to him about how there's this game that just got added to the PlayStation Now service called Stranded Deep. Never heard of it. No, nor had I. And I looked at a couple of screenshots and it looked amazing. And so the idea of it is that you're stranded, this plane crash goes down, uh, and you land in like the Pacific Ocean or something, and you get to an island and it's a survival sim game. So basically you have to survive and you craft like shelter and you craft like a raft to travel to different islands and hunt all these different animals and stuff like that. And there's like legendary monsters that you can hunt, like a kraken or a megalodon, all these different things that you can do and fight sharks and all this. I thought, oh my God, this is so up my street. I'm going to love this, right? Boot it up. It looks like a PS2 game. The game is total shit. It's probably the worst game I've played in memory. I literally cannot remember a game I've played that's worse than this. It is fucking awful. And the worst thing about it is the tutorial that you start playing, it says like, find three sticks so you can build a fire. And... You'd have no idea what the controls are. doesn't tell you what the controls are. And then as soon as you get the free sticks, which you somehow picked up from doing something completely random somewhere else, you then can't light the fire because then you need a flint that it doesn't tell you you need. And then I had a crab kill me. So it was it was all downhill. It was all downhill. This must be bad because I know you've played Resistance Burning, St- Burning Skies and that terrible game. It makes Burning Skies look like a Game of the Year winner. Honestly, it's so bad. And the worst thing about it is I've somehow got 12% trophies on this game now from doing literally nothing. I earned a gold trophy, I think, for just swimming to an island. I think I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to swim. I want to see a shark, right? Swam. The sky's disappearing as I'm swimming. Then the floor's disappearing. It's all fucked. Get to the other island, gold trophy unlocked. So then it looks like I've actually put time into this game. So now on my trophy list, I had five Platinums in a row and then 12% on Stranded Deep and it's never going any further than that. And the worst thing is, I thought to myself, right, shall I just go for Platinum on it? Just so it makes my trophy list look tidy. Nobody has even put up a Platinum guide on it. That is how little this game has been played. I mean, Spence, you saw it. What What are your thoughts on it, mate? Mate, uh, well, as soon as we booted it up, I thought, well, what are we doing? Obviously, obviously we looked into it a bit and um, I reckon you should Platinum it. Because as we know, because you looked it up, that would be your rarest platinum. It would, but imagine if it's like 300 hours. Ah, well. Imagine, imagine putting that much time into such a terrible game. It took me, I still didn't know how to light a fire. (laughs) I died by a crab. Maybe you could be the person to write the guide for it, Davey. That's what I said. That's literally what I said on the night. I'm not doing it. or, or, Or on your YouTube. Video oh, guide doing or... some guides, mate. You know, live guide. The, the problem is, there's a game that's similar to this, but set in a forest called The Forest. And it's a survival game and it's supposed to be really good. I could just play that and get the same fix from it. But I want to see sharks. I love sharks. <laughs> and I love sharks in video games. I just do. That's all it is. I really like them. But I can't play that game. I just can't. I'm not doing it. I'm not being that guy to sacrifice my life to put up a trophy guide. For everyone else. I don't care how much I love Power Picks and those guys. I'm not going to be that person to put myself through it. And granted, there are people that have. Obviously, that someone's got the platinum on it. Otherwise, it would be on a 0%. Um, 
So some someone has done it. And, and I tell and, you what, if you're listening to this and you've played that game to platinum, let me know how long it took. And what what's this game called? Stranded Deep. Stranded Deep, Christ. It does it doesn't even sound appealing, does it? It's not great. The mate, the I was there, the screenshots are nice. <laughs> yeah. The screenshots look really good. But then you, you boot up the game and it's, it's it's not. It's not good. The game I've been putting the most time into these last two weeks, after Platinum and Demon Souls, was Bug Snacks. So I finally went back and thought, do you know what? I'm just going to play Bug Snacks. I'm going to give it a shot. Now, I've actually done a review on this, a full review, which is going to be up on my YouTube by the time this podcast goes live. What an f- absolutely fantastic game. So unique, so much fun, really, really funny. It's just hilarious. However, it is, it's weird. It's weird. The story gets really dark. And I'm talking about Last of Us 2 levels dark Oh, in terms of some of the stuff that's happening. Any golf clubs? No, no golf clubs. Not no golf clubs, but they're talking about suicide. They're talking about people killing each other. They're talking about all this stuff, right? Within this game that looks like a kiddies Nintendo game. It's so strange. A really strange juxtaposition, which doesn't work with the presentation of the game itself. I, yeah, I was going to say, like, it's so strange for you to be <laughs> saying these things, considering the name of the game, Bug Snacks. It, it kind of suggests it is, it is quite a childish game. Everything about it, the presentation, mm. the things you're doing, the actual Bug Snacks themselves, which are like Pokemon, all of it doesn't mesh with this really kind of, this really deep characterization of these characters, which doesn't need to be there, in my opinion. I mean, I go through this in depth on my review, but... It just does not need to be there because as there's this character that's called Bethica, right? And she's she's like a gossip. She's, she's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's great though. And so she's like talking shit about everyone and like snooping around their houses at night. Like when everyone goes to bed, she like goes into their houses and takes pictures and stuff. She's like all snoopy trying to find their secrets out. And then it turns out you get to like towards the end of the game and she's talking about how the fact that she's come to this island because she can't find friends and she's r- ridiculously lonely. And all this stuff. And she starts proper pouring her heart out. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like, just leave it top level. You don't need to go to this place for this kind of game. This isn't The Last of Us. This isn't, I don't need an emotional backdrop to this. Like, I just need it to be top level. And that's it. And I, I think it kind of undermines itself a little bit with that. And where can they find this review, Davey? So it'll be on my YouTube. So just search SSJ Davey into YouTube. You'll find my channel that way. And there's loads of different reviews on there mostly resident evil stuff but <laughs> a good smorgasbord of reviews on there too including a spoiler cast between me and spencer of the last of us 2 you've you've got a death stranding one on there as well davy haven't you i do that was my first game i ever reviewed on there and i'm glad that you've dropped in death stranding against so us two mentions so far and two okay. for resident that's evil two. That's two. so we're on a good winner but that's it for me really guys i mean the plat- platinum was about 15 hours really nice platinum time and really fun game i would encourage you to play it just be aware the story's kind of needless. So we've got some listener mail again, boys. I wonder who it's from. Well, it's from Joseph Thomas. You may remember him from the last episode and from pretty much every episode at this point. Never heard of him. <laughs> he is our number one fan after all, or self-proclaimed. So here we go. This is what he has to say. Hello, gents. It's me again. Self-proclaimed number one fan. I was saddened after watching the Game Awards that none of your predictions came true. Spoilers, Joe, we're, we're going into that next, but 
especially Davies Metal Gear Solid 1 call. So aside from Davies' pick, what games would Spencer and Phil like to see remastered? A classic? Or something that was a bit average but could have been special if it wasn't for a few glaring issues or perhaps performance limitations at the console? Joe says, for me, there is a classic World of Warcraft, which did come true. He then ends it with, P.S. Phil's casting for a live-action Transformers was dreadful. That and his love of the Resi movies caused me to ask for a ban on Phil expressing film opinions on the podcast. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> now, first off, before I hand it over to you boys, I will say Joe is 100% right here. Phil's casting calls and Phil's movie opinions in general are absolutely trash. However, I will say I do like the inclusion of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in every single one of Phil's movies. <laughs> so... I, I will I will say that his casting opinions are valid and I appreciate them. However, his love of certain movies, i.e. the Resident Evil movies, shows that you do need to get in the bin. I don't know if you want to retort to this at all, Phil. No, no. JoJo is completely right and I'll take that criticism on board. <laughs> I, Good. I, I, I probably watched, you know, all of 10 movies and half of them are, you know, the Transformer movies and half of them are Resident Evil movies. And then there's one or two actually that are Saw movies. I think <laughs> after that. <laughs> My God, that's that's a startling revelation that is. I'm, I'm not a big movie guy. So back to Joe's original question then. So obviously I was talking in the last episode about Metal Gear Solid 1 and about how that was rumoured to be the uh, remake that was going to be shown at the Game Awards, which sadly, as we know, didn't come true. And we'll cover more about our predictions on the next topic. But what game would you guys like to see remastered or, well, not remastered. We're going to say remade because remaster is just a spruce up of an existing game. We're going to go for a full remake, just like with Demon Souls or Resident Evil 2. I'm going to take you back to the N64. Ooh. Do you have to? Do you have to? And I know as soon as I say N64, what game springs to mind? Goldeneye. Goldeneye, 100% Goldeneye. But I'm going to introduce you to a little gem that you may have not heard of. Um, but the game I'm trying to introduce you guys to is a game called Blast Corpse. What is that? Have you ever heard of it? It is the most fun I've had in a game that's not very good. So basically, it's a game of just blowing shit up. I know this game. A lot of it, you're like a big robot or you're like a truck with a missile on the back. And you've just got to run into buildings and then you've got to cause the most destruction. And it was on the N64. And I remember as a kid, absolutely loving it, right? It was incredible going up and just smashing all those buildings. But can you imagine that game on PS5? No. Oh, my God. It, was, it Yeah. Bring that back. That would be my choice. Blast Corps, 100%. Do you know, something in my brain is pinging that I know what this game is. Now, I never owned an N64 or anything like that, so I have no idea. Does anyone... Can someone do me a Metacritic check on this game? Is this actually a good game or is it a shit game? 90% Metacritic. Oh, Whoa. there we go. So there it's, we go. It's, oh, my God. Okay, so it actually is a good game then. 90%. Uh, I'm showing you screenshots right now, if you can't see, on the Discord. Basically, the gameplay was that you were... You, you, you had to cause the most destruction in kind of like the best circumstance so you had one run at it and you kept rerunning it to get a better destruction score oh right um, wow so it's a proper arcadey then it, it was um it was very like super meat boy it was like it was like a roguelike basically before its time 
which is very cool, that you basically just have to do it the best every single time. Uh, I have a bit of a theory about this game, Phil. Okay. So basically what? You're, you're a truck with a robot. Yeah, so each mission, you took control of like different um, vehicles. So in some of them, you took control of a truck. Some of them, you took control of like a robot. I remember, I remember one of them, you were like a robot and you had to come down and you had like towers that you had to smash in the best way. There it is. You've just scrolled past it. It had a jetpack on. Uh, this one. There it is. Right. So to me, to me, mate, this basically looks like Transformers that can't transform. No, no, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Would you not? No, definitely not. Non-formers. Robots that can't transform. <laughs> I do like robots and I do like smashing things up. So, you know, it's, it's a perfect game. Sure. And as you said, it's got a 90% on Metacritic. <laughs> it does, so yeah. Other people... Other people might have liked it back in the day, but I would love to see that remade on on PS Five. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna sweeten this a little bit more. I'm gonna make it a little bit deeper for Joe's question. Who would you want to remake it? You can name any studio to remake oh, it. Oh, who would you have? It's one choice. I I would probably have Gorilla. Oh, crazy! Just just because they concentrate on graphics. You know, they they have done they've produced the best looking games that I can think of on PlayStation. I can't think of a better looking game. Uh, um, I can. Last of Us 2 is yeah. better looking than anything Gorilla did. <laughs> well, you, you, you've said that so bluntly, it's very hard to like have any kind of comeback to that. But for me, it's fact. My, my personal choice, Gorilla make the most beautiful games, and this game would be all about its visuals. So yeah, Gor- Gorilla would be my uh, choice. I'm really surprised you haven't gone with the guys who did Red Faction... Uh, what's that Red Faction game on PS3? There was the one where you got the sledgehammer and you like destroying those buildings. Was it Red Faction Gorilla? I think so. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't gone for that, to be honest. But um, but Gorilla's a good choice. I mean, you know, they, they, they've shown they can pivot to making Horizon, so I don't see why they can't make a Blast Corpse or Blast, Blast corpse, Ops mate. or whatever Blast it's corpse. called. Blast, Blast, Blast Corpse. Blast Corpse. So it's either be Gorilla or, of course, we'll bring in Hideo Kojima and see what you can do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Make some meta commentary in the fact you're destroying a building. That's my choice. Um, how about you, Spence? Uh, right. Well, for me, I wasn't really sure at first until I read the question a bit more thoroughly. So, uh, so Joe asks, would you want it to be a classic or something that was a bit average but could have been special if it wasn't for a few glaring issues or perhaps performance limitations? And because of the ways we did it, I want to see a Cyberpunk 2077 remake. Oh. Made by literally anyone else. <laughs> literally anyone else. Give it to Media Molecule, see what they do. Oh, see if it takes them as long as it took CDPR. But I, but I, I suppose the story's already written, so all you need is someone to actually make the game properly, and it might be a banger. Uh, yeah, maybe give it to the community. That's what that's what Media Molecule would do, and they would give it to the community, make them make it for you, and then put it out full price. Yeah, create the tools. Still takes ten Let years. Have a go. Dear God. Well, the thing is, Joe, the thing you haven't taken into consideration here is the Metal Gear Solid 1 isn't my ultimate remake. If I could choose a game to be remade, I love Metal Gear Solid 1 as is. I don't really need it remade. And as Phil said last episode, we've already had a couple of remakes of it, although I still don't class Twin Snakes. The game that I would want remade is a game called Legacy of Kane. I don't know if you boys have heard of this game, but it's a game that actually... I was really obsessed with it on the PS1. Really, really obsessed with it. And I think part of it was it was my first 
first game of that kind of ilk where Legacy of Cain basically is you're playing as this vampire who gets like horribly disfigured and you go through and it's kind of like a Metroidvania in a way that you gain different power-ups and you can progress and open up stages as you go. It was fantastic at the time and what I loved is that there was these enemies and you could grab them and you could throw them onto spikes and they'd get pinned up on the spikes and blood would come out and it blew my mind back at the time. I just loved how hard the game was and how open it was or how open it felt at the time and I think with modern graphics and a proper update to it they could really make that game something really special. Now it's a game that was originally done by Eidos as far as I'm aware. I would love that. I would love that more than anything to come back. My choice would be that but then actually now I'm stopping and thinking about it I want Marvel vs. Capcom 2. I knew. I was waiting for that, mate. That's exactly what I was I waiting for. I want it so bad. <laughs> I want Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and I don't even want... All I want is just a 4K texture pack put on it. That's all. I want the gameplay exactly the same. I want everything exactly the same. So I want it as just a remaster, not a remake. And I want it done by Capcom, obviously. That's it. Just put it back out. I mean, Christ, if they put it out in its default form, I'll be all about it. Just so, release it on PS5, like... Just be happy with that. So... Yeah, those are my choices. I've kind of cheated there. I've done a Spencer. I've come with two rather than one. But uh, um, I was about to say, before we move on, I kind of want to give a genuine answer rather than Cyberpunk. Because Cyberpunk's a bit jokes. I'd want to see Restar remade. I don't know if you boys are familiar with Restar. I no. wasn't until you introduced me to it a couple of years ago where you were talking about it. And I'd never heard of it in my life. And obviously being a Mega Drive kid, I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it. But Phil, Phil, I'm surprised Phil doesn't know about it because obviously he collects classic games and stuff too. So fill him in, Spen. Um, basically, obviously we're all in Google Docs together. That's what we use for the podcast. If you see my image in the top, my image is of Restar. It has been for like the last 12 years maybe. Came out in 95. And it's basically, you play as Restar. You're just a little star with arms, really. It's sick. Um, but they're stretchy arms. And you can stretch forward, grab poles, you spin yourself around, launch yourself, climb over stuff. You basically, you, uh, There are enemies in front of you. You have to grab them with your long, stretchy arms. You pull yourself towards them and you headbutt them and blast them into oblivion. And I know it sounds insane, right? It doesn't sound amazing. But if you played it, you'd love it. Because the character, he he's the mascot of Sega. Fuck Sonic. Restar is Sega's mascot. Not Alex Kidd, not Sonic, not Streets e- of Rage guys. Echo the Dolphin. Not Fuck Echo on. the Dolphin, Restar. Restar. Who <laughs> no one's heard of. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, right? Give uh, me a Metacritic on that. Give me a Metacritic on that. Actually, you might as well do a Metacritic on, uh, on my two choices as well. And we'll see who's got the lowest, the lowest one. Oh, I, I fully don't think it has a Metacritic. Um, right, but... <laughs> oh, 8.6, I see. 8.6. Is that your review? No. <laughs> it literally doesn't have a Metacritic score because it's that old. But a user score, it has an 8.6 out of 10. Okay, we'll go off that. What um, about Legacy of Kane? I'll look it up. Marvelous Capcom I'll look it up. Too. Whilst I'm looking it up, let me say. Um, the game... You know, remember there was a racing game for Sonic? It was like Sonic All-Stars Racing. Yeah. Alex Kidd wasn't in that. Echo the Dolphin wasn't in that. Guess who was in that? It's a restar. Because you can't have you can't have a dolphin drive a car. No, he didn't drive a car. He just waved a flag whenever you passed the line. 
<laughs> he wasn't playable. <laughs> because they don't want to do Echo like that. You don't want to screw Echo over like that. Fuck Echo. Seeing as you boys have both had two choices, do I get a second one? Go on, because, then. Because I've just Googled up a gem. Do you want me to find the Metacritic <laughs> score before we do? Yes. Go on. Uh, what's the full title? Is it Blood Omen Legacy of Kane or is it Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver? Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. A 91. Oh, it beats Blast Corpse. Beats Blast Corpse. What about Marvel vs. Capcom 2? What's that on a Metacritic? Surely that's got to be high 90s. Surely. If it's not, that's a robbery. It's a 90. Oh, Both hello. Legacy of Kane be it. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. So go on then, Phil. Enlighten us with your second choice then, as soon as we're all going for seconds. So we've all had two choices. My first being Blast Corpse. My second is a PlayStation title. Ooh. It's a title which was on PlayStation 1. Ooh. And it's a three-letter acronym where you were, I think, a third-person shooter game, I guess you can call oh. it. Oh, Mag? What about the one... No, and... Mag. No. Oh, God, no. no. What no, am I thinking of? Mag remade. No. I think I know... I think I know what this game is going to be. Is it? Is it like begin with M? M yes. something. Yes. And I think. Mag. I think. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> Mag. It's not Mag. Have you got like a triangle? There's like some guy. He's got like a. It's like basically, a suit or something. Basically, he's a cross between Pyramid Head and Venom. Yes. And the, the game I, I was thinking of. And the game is called M D K. What a banger of a game! I would love to see that back. I, I never played it. I never played it. I just remember I always saw it. Whenever I went to go rent a game at Blockbuster or whatever, it would always be there. And I, I knew it had an M and a K in it. I didn't realise it had the D in the middle. MDK. 1997. Third-person shooting game. It doesn't have a Metacritic. By Microsoft, actually. So it would probably come out on the Xbox, unfortunately, not PlayStation. Well, that means we could play it on PC. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's fine. We yeah, we could play it everywhere else. So Joseph Thomas... I would like to see Blast Corps and MDK back. And I would like to see Legacy of Kane and Marvel vs. Capcom 2. And I'd like to see Restart and Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> I think with that, it's time for us to actually dive into our actual topics of discussion. As I said at the opening, we're down to only two topics this time because there is going to be so much here for us to talk about. So... What we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be going through the Game Awards presentation, what we thought about their announcements and everything else that comes with that, our predictions, etc. And then also going through uh, Cyberpunk's launch. But first, I think it makes sense, especially on the back of Joe's topic, to discuss what happened at the Game Awards. And last episode, we made some predictions. So we, in total, between the three of us, we had eight predictions. It's safe to say we were fucking miles off. We weren't even close. We, no, weren't, we even weren't even close, even close like, at all. Like, none of them. It was horrendous. We, it was a horrendous showing on our part. When it comes to the Game Awards, other than the fact that nothing we asked for came true, what were your thoughts on the presentation itself? I thought it was quite nice. I, I didn't mind it. Obviously, it's different because COVID's happening, so they don't have an actual audience, or they don't have any, like, people can't go on stage. No one's actually there. Everyone has just had to join a massive Game Awards Zoom call or Microsoft Teams or whatever they did. Hopefully they were all in the PS party chat. That'd be nice. But I thought the way they went about it was quite nice. And it felt faster than usual as well. And I think maybe that's because it was just a lot of a lot less faffing about. 
because I think they were quite well prepared for an online experience rather than it being in person. So I, I, I quite like the presentation. I quite like the game modes. I quite like how it worked out. For me, it makes sense that, you know, it is it is an online thing, right? Yeah. It's a video games award ceremony, right? I don't want someone stood at the front of a stage with thousands of people behind them. Being online makes no difference to me. I'm behind my computer 90% of my time anyway, right? The thing that annoyed me about the Game Awards was his trainers, man. What is going on? I'm not going to lie. They didn't match his outfit. I liked them. He had a lovely suit on, right? And that, that suit was probably thousands of pounds or thousands of dollars, right? But he had bright blue and white Supras on. We've got to move away from this, guys. We're better than that. The amount of times that I've been to weddings, I, I've been to posh events, I'm never turning up in trainers. I'll, I'll have a nice pair of shoes with my suit because that's, that's, that's the look. Whoever advised him to wear Supras, they got to be fired. The worst thing about it, when I joined, Spencer was watching it way before I was. I had it on in the background while I was just about to Platinum Demon Souls. So I had it kind of on my phone. I was looking at it kind of in between playing it. And I joined Spencer's call, then about an hour into the Game Awards. First thing I said, oh, I love his shoes. It was the first thing you said as well, actually. Yeah, it actually right. was. They can be nice trainers, right? And, and in a bubble, silo them out. They're probably really nice trainers, but a trainer with a suit. We've got we've yeah. got to move away from that, right? I I, I watch League of Legends. You know, it, it's it's no secret, right? You've already mentioned it a couple of times, mate. The amount of casters that come on and they're they've got lovely outfits on, but then they're wearing trainers. It just doesn't work. We've got to move. We're better than this. We can move away from this. We do not need this, guys. I completely agree with you, Phil. I think there's there's a time and a place, and I think if you're if you're in smart cash. Trainers is absolutely fine. All about that. Completely. If you're in a full formal suit, you've got to wear some shoes, man. Yeah. You can't be wearing trainers with that. You just can't. And I'm not talking kickers. I'm not talking pods. Get yourself <laughs> get yourself some nice shoes to go with your suit. Uh, Phil, mate, I have to ask you, have you seen the Game Awards prior to this year? Yeah, he always wears trainers. I was going to say, yeah, Joff Keighley wears them every single year. It annoys me every year. <laughs> but now you've got a platform. <laughs> got a platform yeah. to air it. Now I have got a platform. For all those listeners now, fuck Jeff Keighley and his <laughs> trainers. <laughs> oh my God. We're six episodes in and that's our first personal attack of the podcast. And uh, I got to say, I'm, I'm glad it came from Phil. So I, I thought it would have come from me by now, but it's from Phil. <laughs> he's back to his episode one where he's uh, he's a bit of a renegade. <laughs> he's back. Trainers he's on the with, IPAs again. Trainers with a suit is a no-no for me. But... Other than that, I thought it was brilliant. I, I really loved the presentation. And it didn't bother me that there wasn't a, a crowd of people in front of him. It made no difference to me. No, I actually feel exactly the same. The crazy thing about it, right, is that obviously the audience was fake. So there was the clap in there and everything in between the awards and stuff like that. I didn't pick up on that once. I literally am so accustomed to it in an award ceremony, they're being clapping and everything. that It didn't even twig to me there was nobody else there. Didn't even twig to me. But a lot of the time when you watch award ceremonies, the clapping is like played over the real clapping. So it's kind of the sound you hear anyway. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, that's that's not the sound of the audience generally. Generally, it's piped in. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah. that, that was it was my first time ever watching the Game Awards. I've never watched it before. 
especially not all the way through. I normally watch like the highlights the next morning. It's obviously it's on really late for us when we watch it. So it was on till four in the morning. So I normally just watch the highlights of whatever's been announced the next day and, that, and that's it. But I watched the entire thing and I, I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was really good. I thought it moved at a good pace. I think there's some awards there, which I wouldn't even bother having as awards, to be honest. But overall, I thought it was a really good presentation. I thought the uh, the amount of effort that went into running the event and getting the different partners involved and having all the devs and everything else, I thought was commendable. I thought it was a really, really good kind of showing of what we used to have pre-COVID, whereas yeah. now we get nothing really of of any of any excitement at all at the moment, and it's um it's a real shame. So it was a it was a nice little flashback to what life is like pre-COVID. So. I did enjoy it. But when it comes down to the award winners, it's pretty safe to say there is one game that stood up above the rest. So The Last of Us had a really, really impressive showing. So not only did The Last of Us 2 pick up best game of the generation from our podcast, which is, as we know, the most prestigious award it could possibly win, it also won seven awards at the Game, game Awards, including Game of the Year. It's a massive feat. And what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because this has been quite controversial with Twitter especially. Right, well, I'd love to start about this if I can. Bun Twitter, The Last of Us 2 is phenomenal. Obviously, I'm heavily biased because Last of Us 1 is my favourite game. And if they remade it, that would have won because it's the best game ever made. But Last of Us Part 2 is phenomenal. The gameplay is great. I had a, sh- I had, I had a few bugs as well. Didn't didn't take anything away from the game. It was nothing that actually broke the gameplay. It was fine. But the game looks so good. It plays so good. It sounds so good. The story. I know a lot of people have issues with the story, but everyone that has issues with it read the script and never played the game. The story's great. It deserves everything. It deserves everything it's ever been given, especially the NPS We Trust Game of the Generation Award. Personally, I'm not I'm not against them you know, picking up this number of awards. And I, I think it is well-deserved. The game is incredible. As we've mentioned, it did win our award for being just an outstanding game. I will say straight off the top, I never put any clout into Twitter at all. Twitter is such an echo chamber and the people who are angry about it get put to the top of the algorithm seems to be anyway. So they just constantly go in. The stream of hate just seems to constantly flow. The problem is I try having a discourse with people who have a problem with the game. And none of them can come back with an actual argument as to why it's not an incredible game. It always comes back to the fact of the golf club incident, you know? It always comes back to that, rather than what the problems with the game are. Because there are problems with it. The pacing isn't perfect. It goes on for a little bit too long. There's a lot of cutscenes. Cutscenes are fine. I, uh, Christ, I love Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. That game is all cutscenes, right? I have no issues with the cutscenes. It does go too long, though. I do agree. There are problems with it. It's not a perfect game by any stretch. But in my opinion, it's the best game of the generation. Easy, hands down. And when it came down to the other contenders that were on that list, I've played the majority of them. There's one I haven't. I haven't played Hades. But the rest of them on there I have played, and it is head and shoulders above them, especially when you consider it to what the Twitter group were constantly referencing, which is Final Fantasy VII. And Final Fantasy VII, the original is my second favorite game of all time. However, the remake is not to Last of Us 2's level. It is not. Completely it just agree. simply is not. Yeah. And the, it's a remake. I don't think that takes anything yeah, away from it. I agree with for you. For me, it does. For, for me, heavily, it does. 
So last year when it came to the Game Awards then, Resident Evil 2 was in the nominations for that against Death Stranding. You, you would have discounted it because it was a remake. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I want new titles. I want new games. I want, inno- like, innovation <laughs> in, in this industry. I don't want just the same games, like, repurposed every single, like, year. Like, I, I loved Resident Evil 2. I loved Resident Evil 3, like, remake. But I don't think they should be winning awards for what they're doing, and, unless there is a specialist category for remakes and reversionings of games, which would make more sense than have them running against games that have come from, like, nowhere. They, like a brand new like, IP. I understand, I understand what you mean when you argue this. And I think it makes a lot of sense for, like, remasters. And like HD upscales, but for for complete remakes of a game, no. Like uh, this, like as much as a remaster is just the same game, and a remake is also the same game. RE2 remake is so different from RE2, and Demon Souls remake is so different from Demon Souls. They are literally like different games. I don't think RE2 is though. This the story is exactly the same. The story might be, but the actual gameplay itself is totally different. Their camera angle completely changes it. Everything about that game is totally different other than the general beat-to-beat story. So are you dis- disregarding story when you're, you're rating these games then? If, if you're saying that, that's already been done, that's already been fine? Say I was on that panel and I had to vote. It all comes down to what each person holds things in different regard. And a game will excel in certain areas rather than others. So you've got some games which their story might be absolutely incredible, but the gameplay lets it down and it brings the overall experience down. So, for example, with Bug Snacks, which I mentioned earlier, the gameplay on that is great, right? Really, really fun, really entertaining. The art style's brilliant, performances are all brilliant. Story really lets it down. So it's not, it wouldn't even remotely be in my contender for games of launch, let alone games of, uh, games of a year, right? With Resident Evil 2 remake, sure, the story's not original. So they've got, you, you kind of take it down a peg from there. But in terms of the actual gameplay and what they've done to it and re-envisioned it, as what it is, is exceptional. And I loved it. Granted, it wouldn't have won Game of the Year last year for me either. Wouldn't have even come close. Death Stranding would have been mine. You've got to put everything into a balance. And it's what you hold most important to you for that individual given title. Personally, I think, you know, the competition has to be pretty weak for a, for a remake to, to win Game of the Year. I think remakes should probably have their own category because there is so many. It's so prevalent now that... We're always getting remakes of games, reversionings, reimaginings of games. They should be their own um, unique uh, award for that. But ga- Game of the Year, to go to a remake, I think that's a disservice when it comes to games like Death Stranding that came out, you know? I don't think there's actually been that many. What, remakes? No, I was about no. to say the same thing. If you think about it, really, there's only like one or two at most a year. If I think about the last generation, the ones that come to mind for me, so over a seven-year period... Just off the top of my head now, so there's obviously going to be something miss. And this is remakes, not not um, not remasters. We could probably fill in the blanks. You, Go on. You got you got Shadow of the Colossus, Resident Evil Two, you've got Resident Evil Three. All right, Crash Insane, Spyro Trilogy, um, and Medieval. Okay. And yeah. then that's really all I can think of. You only have to put it into Google. There's there's tons of games that have been remade. Yeah, it's probably loads, From but not gen. to the scale. You know. The scale of games such as Resident Evil 2 and 3. How many of them are like notable remakes? Ratchet and Clank is, is something you've probably missed off. That's that's quite a big one. That's it though, right? So you're talking eight games. 
I don't, I don't think it's a heat mate. Like, there's loads of remakes. We're always getting remakes. There's not, things. mate. There's not. There's really not. And even if there are, they're mostly not notable. The thing that's buffed it up a lot is the fact that Capcom have had them two years on the bounce. Yeah. So it feels like as if you're getting them more. There, there really isn't. That's why they're so hyped whenever they're released. Because there really isn't that many. If everyone was doing it and releasing all their back catalogue, then it would kind of numb its effect down. And the difference is these are games that are 20-odd years old. You know? I mean, we're talking about PS1 games for most of these, which haven't aged very well. So I think, ups- you know, remaking those with a completely different vision, but still staying true to the original while modernizing it, I think it's worthy to stand shoulder to shoulder. I don't necessarily think that those games will win Game of the Year. I don't think they... I, I think it depends on what other competition is out that year. 2020 is being stacked. We've had so many good games. We've had some, so many sensational games this year. Final Fantasy VII is amazing. It's an amazing game, and it's a true testament to why you should remake these games, because it's fantastic. But it doesn't push the medium forward like The Last of Us 2 does, in my opinion, in terms of storytelling and emotional impact. And that's why, for me, it wouldn't be even remotely close to it not even remotely close i literally had this argument maybe yesterday or two days ago in discord their whole argument was last of us 2 probably shouldn't have won because there wasn't really a great innovation with the game and they said not naughty dog is a brilliant studio however they don't really innovate they kind of just know what they're good at and ride it and i thought well yeah sure you can see it that way however they've not just ridden what they're good at they've pushed it to the extent that they can and they've made it they've pushed this genre of a game they've pushed the story and the gameplay as far as i'd imagine possible at the moment i like last of us 2 when you play last of us 2 you wouldn't think that'd even be on a ps4 compared to some of the ps4 titles that are out you'd think jesus this game is stunning and it still runs quite well on a ps4 console so they deserve it like you just said, Spence, I think it's selling them short by saying that they've not pushed the medium forward because I've never had a game made me that emotional before and never resonated with me like that before where I've cried multiple times throughout an entire game. I've just never done that. And so there's got to be something there to elicit that emotion. I don't cry very often. I mean, unless it's Terminator 2 when Arnie goes into the lava and puts his thumb up. Other than that, I'm not crying. The critics have done it right here. They voted for the right game, in my opinion. It's got to be a pretty special movie to uh, cry, hasn't it? You know, when Optimus Prime died in the original Transformers movie. I remember bawling over that. So Naughty (laughs) Naughty Dog have really stepped it up in terms of story, I believe. And, you know, I I go along with pretty much everything you're saying here, Davey. Like, they they do deserve the Game of the Year and, and, and the ton of accolades that have come along with that. You know, seven awards at the Game Awards this year. That, that, that. That is a lot, you know, it's to huge. take away. Yeah, it is absolutely huge. I want to I want to run off some other ones that I think are, are quite memorable. Best score in music went to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Very well deserved, in yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. Best indie game went to Hades. Now, I haven't played that. Um, I've heard absolutely sensational things about it, but it's not available on anything I own. You own a PC? I wouldn't play it on PC, mate. I'm just not, I'm not a nerd. I don't know if you guys have played that at all. Um, I haven't played it. I've seen gameplay. And my friend has streamed it because he loves the game as well. The game's cool. It's a cool game. And it's, it seems like it's like a random roguelike kind of thing, except 
every time you play it, the story changes as well. The story kind of progresses with each run. It's really cool. And he's, he said he's played it for maybe 60 hours and he's not heard a single character repeat, uh, like repeat a line of dialogue. Wow, that's impressive. That's big. That is that's big. crazy. Hades also won Best Action Game and that's about it that it picked up. Best RPG went to Final Fantasy VII Remake. I, I mean, there's no real contenders there. I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake was an absolutely ph- phenomenal RPG. You and me, Spence, both played that. Would you agree with that? Best RPG of the year? Well, it didn't really have much competition. So, yeah. Easy one for me. Easy one. I, I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved that game. I thought it was brilliant. I didn't love it as much as I wish I did, but I did enjoy it. I, I did love it. I think the only thing that spoils it for me is that ending. Yeah, the ending. That ending is just so bad, and I hate the direction uh, that they've taken with it, making it more Kingdom Heartsy. I wish they didn't go that way. It yeah. spoils the game for me a little bit. And otherwise, without that, it might have. I might have had a bit of close competition and a bit of internal struggle between that and The Last of Us Two. That ending really soured me on the game. Yeah. Best fighting game, which is very important to us as mm. a podcast, Mortal Big. Kombat Eleven. Thoughts, people. Deserved. 100%. Cassie Cage, Peng as fuck. Deserved. Phil, I don't know if, if you've played this. I've, I've put a lot of time into Mortal Kombat 11. I love Mortal Kombat 11. Plus, you'll be interested to know, it's got Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. So I don't know if that sways your opinion on this, Phil. Have you tried Mortal Kombat 11 yet? I, I haven't played it, but I've, I've definitely watched a lot of streams. So normally in the mornings when I'm uh, doing, my, doing my meetings, I've got Maximilian on, on stream. And uh, he's playing a lot of Mortal Kombat 11 at the moment. And yeah, it looks incredible. It is a game I wish I could play. We should get into it, lads. We're in it. Yeah, we play it. We play it. So like regularly? I, I... Oh, not regularly. There we go. That's what I mean. We should get into it. We should actually take it up. I'd be well keen. I mean, there's the the Ultimate Editions out for PlayStation 5, which I'm, I think I'm just going to buy. And I really want to play as Spawn. Obviously, I want to play as Terminator. Oh, of course I do. And Rambo as well. I mean, Christ, why wouldn't I want to play yeah. as Rambo? This is so strange for you, Davey. They're not even top tier from what I'm hearing. No, no. I, I, I mean, my main originally was Scorpion. So I'm probably going to go back to playing Scorpion. Boring ass. Now you're back to top tier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was busted day one. You know, I mean, Genos was always the actual goat of that game, the early game. I don't even know who's the best in the game now. I know that um, I saw... I saw a couple of guys were doing work with um, uh, Shiva. Shiva was doing absolutely mad work when I was watching, and she was trash. So the new way they've opened it up with having customs being able to be used for every single character now has really shaken the matter, and it really makes me want to get involved with it. And I think that alone is the reason why they should win. It's just a sensational game. And what they've done to really shake up this meta is just phenomenal. The last award I want to go into is the Player's Choice Award. Now... The Player's Choice Award was Ghost of Tsushima. So we've had Potato Chief write in about this. And he says, Do you think Ghost should have won Game of the Year, considering it won the popular vote? And do you think a game so polarising as The Last of Us 2 was the right winner? Also, what is your thought on the 10% public versus 90% press split in the vote? His first question is, do you think Ghost should have won Game of the Year, seeing as it won popular vote? Definitely fucking not. Because, I don't know if people know this. Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, brilliant game. I know it's a brilliant game. Should it have won popular vote? Maybe. Except, if anyone's been on Twitter prior to the Game Awards, people will know that Last of Us 2 was going to win 
uh, Player's Choice Game of the Year. And then all the Last of Us 2 haters just voted for Ghost of Tsushima because it was the second in the running and they didn't want Last of Us 2 to win. I completely agree with you, Spence. I think it's an easy question to answer because the PlayStation blog just did their Game of the Year winner and that was all public voted. They had 2.35 million votes received. Guess which game clean slated the entire lot? Last of Us Part 2. Exactly. So as soon as they don't know about it on the Twitter and the Twitter RT are on the case, turns out the best game wins. So I don't think that it should have won. I don't know what your opinion on this is, Phil. Well, that, I, I think that's the problem, though, isn't it? It's a public vote. And that, that public resides on the internet. And once, once you give the internet an opportunity to play the game, to, to mess around, then they will take that opportunity. And that's, that's exactly what's happened with, with Ghost of Tsushima. You know, people that haven't played it, just to be a dick, they'll vote for it. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, Potato Chief's second, second part of his question is, and do you think a game so polarizing as Last of Us 2 is the right winner? I actually don't think it's as polarizing as you think it is. I think the, the problem is you're looking at it through the window of Twitter or social media, in which case everything's kind of heightened. Yeah. All you have to do is look at real-life examples in terms of an election. If you're on Twitter or you're on social media, you'd think the winner is going to be Bernie Sanders or you think it's going to be you know, the Labour Party. You think that because that's all social media is on about. And it turns out that's not actually the full story and they get whitewashed. And so all it means is that people are on social media who have the opposing opinion, but because they get dogpiled, they don't voice their opinion. Now, I don't give a shit about Twitter. So I I speak my opinion on there and I get dogpiled every now and again. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. But that's the thing about it is that people are scared to voice their opinion. So you only hear one side. So you get this optic that it's polarizing when, in fact, actually, it's probably a 70-30 split. Maybe maybe even more than that. Another thing, like, the same thing, his, his thing about how polarizing the game was. Most people that played Last of Us 2 and enjoyed it will have just played the game, enjoyed it, and been like, that was a good experience. They wouldn't go on Twitter and really speak about it. Whereas people on Twitter love to shit on things. So if they hate something, they're going to let you know about it. And if they love something, no one's going to find out. It's so annoying. No one's positive on Twitter, ever. It's it's easier to hate, isn't it? You it's know. so much easier to hate on stuff. So all the players that enjoyed Last of Us 2, and I'm sure the margin is way favoured towards people that enjoyed it rather than hated it, they're not really saying much. And all the haters are going to be so loud. And it seems like there's way more than there are because they're hating on every single Last of Us 2 thing they see. It's like a select handful hating a lot rather than a lot of people hating a little um i also want to say that the first part of the question obviously as do you think ghost should have won seen as it won popular vote or player's choice and then his last question is what's your thought on a 10 percent public versus 90 percent press split and vote the first question kind of supports our argument for the last one i think because ghost of tsushima only won because the public hated last of us too so obviously, members of the press who have a less biased opinion and just see the games as video games should have more say in the matter. What I hated is that as soon as it doesn't support their argument, right, they go to, they've been paid off. Yeah. Immediately oh God, yeah. it goes to, they've been paid off. And you think, okay, you're talking about a select group of people which are well-renowned in the industry 
as being professionals and being the top of their game, being in this panel from a majority of different websites, places like The Guardian, places like IGN, GameSpot, unfortunately Kotaku, who I really don't agree with most of the time, all these different places where they then select a game. And those games are put onto the shortlist and those games get voted on then from there. You're talking, they paid them off. Come on, get real, get real. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's such a such a smooth brain opinion that just has no merit in it. It's just a ridiculous argument. It's like people saying they pay for reviews. Nobody pays for reviews. Unless you're looking at a small YouTube channel or something, then I guess maybe they might pay for a review. By the way, Bugsnax hasn't paid me. It is my actual review of this up. But those kind of channels are more susceptible, I believe, than a full-on major website, which makes its avenue from, from ad revenue. They're going to get way more clicks if they put out something really negative. They will definitely get way more clicks that way than if they put out something positive. It makes no sense. Their argument falls apart in my eyes. I just do not understand that line of thinking. Just, just to play devil's advocate here, you know, and to fight Potato's Chief's sort of, you know, side in this... If 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 the games were reversed and and Ghost had won, you know where, where would you guys have fallen? Would would you have feel that The Last of Us should have won those awards? You know, even if you didn't feel it was a better game. Well, because I haven't played Ghost yet, yes, yeah, I couldn't judge. Yeah, and that is how everyone should be on this. If you haven't played the game, I'm not talking about watch a bloody streamer play it. What about I haven't experienced it myself? Sure. So I can't judge. So if it won, all it would do is it would get me more excited to play it. That's Cause, all. Because it definitely feels like a lot of the votes that were going towards Ghost were very biased and very, you know, strategic votes that maybe hadn't have played the game, you know? Yeah, 100%. The thing as well, to support Davey, what Davey's saying, I watched The Last of Us 2 playthrough on release. And I thought, oh, that game seems cool. Seems like a good game. Last, do, you, do you mean Last of Us 1? Oh, Last of Us 1, yeah, sorry. Last of Us 1 playthrough on release. And I thought, it seems like a good game. Yeah, I'm sure it's good. I didn't have a PS3 at the time because mine got stolen. So I just watched the playthrough. PS4 comes out maybe half a year before Last of Us 2 comes out, I think. Go on and I'll actually play the original just to refresh my memory. And after I beat the game, everyone knows, it's my favourite game of all time now. A playthrough and playing the game yourself and experiencing it yourself aren't the same thing. Watching someone else play it and you actually sitting there doing it yourself is so different, and the people don't realize. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had any problems. Hades could have clean sleep those awards, and I would have just thought, "Wow, Hades must be fantastic to be better than Last of Us 2. And that's the mindset that I think the majority of people are in. Yeah. The problem is, you get a warped viewpoint from social media, and so it makes it feel like as if that's not the case. Potato chief. You're on your own, mate. Sorry, I've tried my best. Last of Us 2, it is game of the year. We'll leave it as that. So as the resident league player, I really want to focus in on uh, the esports section of the Game Awards. And League of Legends actually picked up five out of the six awards that were put out for esports. I don't, I, I'm going to rush through these uh, quite quickly because I know you guys probably don't have too much of a clue who these people are or what they actually do, but I'll, tr I'll try and fill you in along the way. Please do. Yeah, literally, I had no idea about any of this stuff. The first the first um, award uh, was the Best Esports Athlete. And year upon year, when I've watched the Game Awards, this always goes to Faker. 
Um, but Faker didn't actually make Worlds this year. So it's gone to another mid laner called Showmaker. So Showmaker plays for a team called Damwon Gaming. And they won uh, the League of Legends World Champions uh, 2020. But Showmaker isn't really the name of the big player of the team like Faker is uh, for S SKT. The main player is a guy called Nuggery, who plays top lane a lot like me. Probably, probably not on the, my level, but you know he tries. He's a he's a very good top laner. So the point I'm trying to make is that there was there was two people that got nominated for athlete of the year, both from Damwon Gaming uh, League of Legends, and and Showmaker was the one to win out of the team, which which seemed really really crazy to me. I mean, how do you think they came across that decision? Because I can't imagine. I mean, I could be totally wrong, right? I think this is probably the category that I think the 90% critic, 10% public vote kind of has a bit more say in, like Potato Chief is on about. Because do a lot of the game critics who are polled n watch League? I, I don't know, maybe they might do. But I doubt it's got the same sway that it does with like the actual games that are released. Do you think it's a bit of a failing on that where people are just like, fuck, I don't know, I'll just vote for anyone? Well, 100%, right? If you're going to look at a League of Legends team, you would always think the mid laner is 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 the one that's carrying the team, if you like. But for Damwon Gaming, um, if if you look back at their last split and you look at Worlds' performance, you know their their top laner was outstanding. He he, he was the best player of the whole tournament. And someone like Showmaker, who is a bit shy on camera, and ultimately he's a really good player. He's he's one of the best mid laners in the world currently. But He's, he's nothing compared to their top laner, and their top laner was the guy who made the difference to their performance over 2020. So it was a really strange for him actually to win that award. Is that what the rest of the league community has been saying as well? Have they been kind of agreeing with with your stance on this, or is that are you kind of in the minority? No, I, I believe so. I've seen a lot on Twitter about it that the the, the nominations were were Showmaker and Canyon. So that's the mid laner of the jungle position, and. Ultimately, they they weren't the players that carried the team. You know, it, it was all about the top player. If it was me, I I would I would give it to the top guy. That's fair enough. So do you do you think then that that's where it should go? It should go to a public vote for the esports stuff, I, rather yeah. than being a yeah definitely or like I, a fifty fifty split, maybe something a little bit closer. Well, at least maybe poll people who are in the esports sort of you know bubble, because from an outside perspective, you probably would. Go along with the choices that are made, and we'll we'll get onto a couple of them later because I I find them very strange because I, I I watch a lot of esports and I I'm very passionate about League of Legends and ultimately the picks that were made I I find them a little strange. Yeah, because obviously I can't really comment on any of this. I I I mean, other than my time that I spent in the jungle with Master Yi, <laughs> I don't understand anything else. So I don't really know anything about League. So when these awards came up and these nominations came up, I was like, oh okay, uh, I guess he must be the best. But obviously, I don't know anything about it. Whereas from your position, you obviously know about this stuff. So it's quite interesting to hear about this. And it's kind of interesting to hear about this when you kind of transpose this with Potato Cheese's question, mm -hmm. which I think this is a way more focused approach with where this could make a lot more sense. I could see where the disparity could come in with these awards. The thing about putting it out to a public vote when it comes to League of Legends is that League of Legends is very popular in China. So the Chinese teams would always get the popular vote. Oh, right, I see. Regardless, if, say, an EU team were, like, really good one year and won Worlds, 
they definitely wouldn't win the popular vote because the Chinese uh, population that follow them, yeah, it, the numbers just would outweigh Europe. You only have to watch some of the streams, you know, Faker goes on and you'll get 40, 50, 60,000 fo- like, viewers on Twitch. One of the EU guys will go on and get 5,000. That's that's the difference. So you're thinking the way to solve that would have been to poll just the industry insiders in terms of all, across all the teams. So they make like a, and I guess the, the commentators and stuff like that. So they make a an informed decision rather than leaving it out to the critics who who might not know kind of what they're talking about yeah we we don't know who these critics are do we you know ultimately i i could be completely wrong in 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 my stance and they might be polling people from the league of legends community they might be polling you know casters from dota casters from um, cs um to make to make these choices but ultimately the the winners here i i i find very strange so what are the other winners who else have you got involved in this mix then okay so we'll go on to uh best esports coach um, was Sonic. I, I don't really follow uh, CSGO, but he actually won. Uh, and the guy that was nominated from League of Legends was a guy called Grabs, um, and he heads up uh, G2, which, in a way, I, I could see that as a, no- a good nomination because G2 have done outstanding this year, but they are Europe's best team. So ultimately, was he a good coach or was it the team carrying him? I don't know. Grabs is a little bit of a meme, within the community because whenever g2 do anything wrong or lose a game they always blame it on grabs and grabs is kind of um choice in 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 what characters they play so he's a bit of a a butt of all the jokes when it comes to g2 so again his nomination quite strange um we've got best esports event which again league of legends won that was the league of legends world champion 2020 um best esports game league of legends won that one um best esports team g2 which I find quite weird, seeing as ultimately they didn't really do that well this year. They always, they pretty much always win um, the European splits, but when it came to Worlds, they didn't really have a good show in. So that was weird for me. Just going on for the last one, we got the best esports host, and pretty much year on year, uh, Shox uh, wins. Uh, she's a female caster or a female presenter, sorry, uh, for League of Legends, and she is she is brilliant. And you know, I I can totally understand why she would win. Uh, this award, uh, but my beef comes with the nominations. So I've never seen uh, Vedius, which is one of the other casters um, for League of Legends, ever get nominated for this. And his growth over the last year has been phenomenal from where he started to where he is now. He sort of came in as a lot of the kind of big names moved on to sort of team management. And he he really picked up the mantle for being kind of that um, analytical kind of uh, commentator. And he didn't even get a mention this year, which is crazy. So did did they limit it to only like one person per game? Like, was it like only one League of Legends caster, only one CSGO, you know, like that kind of split? Or was there multiple from, from League and he just got kind of omitted? Not from what I can see, because best esports team, you had G2 and you had Damwon, which made more okay. sense. Um, and then with the esports athlete, you also had Showmaker and Canyon as an option okay so league of legends could have had a couple within that and you know personally my my vote would have gone out to you know your boy vedius i mean that's the only thing that i could think of is that you know maybe there was some some infighting between certain people within within league maybe like three or four different noms say and so one person just narrowly won it you know like kind of split the vote whereas if it was a case that you got only one person put up to that pedestal 
what have they done above everyone else is always a tricky thing to say. And I mean, with the FGC, for me, there's certain commentators in every single game that stand out from the rest. So you got like EE from Smash. I love listening to him. What I was going to go on to, though, with, with FGC, you know, you never see, you know, DJ Logos, L- Logan Soma come up. You never see F-words within those. And, and they're well-established kind of presenters and kind of, you know, analytical kind of commentators when it comes to the, the fighting games community. But they're never put up for these accolades. It, it does always seem to be League of Legends because it is the biggest game in the world. Let's not, you know, mix words. It, it, it does shit on the FGC to a certain extent. I mean, granted, I've met both of those people. I've met Logan. Um, I've been drinking with F-Words a couple of times. Great guy. And, you know, th- these people are f- fantastic at what they do. And within Street Fighter, I mean, Street Fighter is the biggest FGC game. No questions asked. It might not sell the best, but in terms of its payouts, in terms of its tournament performance, it's certainly the biggest. And to think they don't even get a mention is just nuts to me. Yeah. Like I don't know why it isn't in the same conversation. Granted, the money isn't isn't as big, the, the audience isn't as big, but it's not like as if... I, I mean, Christ, Smash brings in absolutely insane numbers when you're talking about Melee and you're yeah. talking about... You're talking about ultimate in terms of viewed and stuff when it comes to like a massive tournament. Why isn't there anyone else from these communities? Why does it always seem to be the PC, the Dotas, the leagues? Why is it always the same? Why don't they have a bigger roster? Or maybe they do. And maybe we just don't see it because these noms are probably three stages into voting. I mean, it's a difficult one to say, isn't it? I think like, I think Shox has won it year on year. So I think she's a second time winner of, of, of this award. And I don't think anyone that watches league would say she doesn't deserve it she's incredible at what she does she puts in the time she puts in the effort and you can see she's genuinely passionate about the game i watch her stream from time to time and her knowledge runs deep she's incredible at what she does but my beef wasn't with her winning she's a well-deserved winner my beef was the variety in nomination yeah as we're saying when it comes to the fgc them not even getting a shout out but Vedius and where he was in 2019 to where he is in 2020, I think is at the biggest jump. Before we move on to the last kind of part of this, which is the game announcements, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little spiel. I, I could I could fuck it up. Thank you very much for joining us throughout this podcast journey. We are trying to improve every single episode. One thing I will ask you to do, if you can, you can write a review on iTunes or on your podcast service of choice. It does help us with the algorithm on there. And also, feel free to share it around with your mates. So, boys, what I want to know is, there was a load of games that were announced at the Game Awards. Loads of trailers shown, loads of stuff that was there. What appealed to you? Okay, for me, uh, yeah, as you said, I'll just just highlight a few that, you know, few of the reveals that spoke to me. One of the ones, um, there's a new Warhammer game. Um, we touched on it earlier um, with Necromunder. So this is this is another one within the franchise. Um, this is called Warhammer 40,000 Dark Tide. And this is brought to us by a Swedish um, studio called Fat Shark. These are the studio responsible for uh, Vermintide. I don't know if you guys have heard of that Not game. That's on PS4, I think. Correct. But this 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 new offering from from Fat Shark um, look looks really interesting. Looks a lot like Left 4 Dead, if I'm honest. Um, it's a four player co op game, um, and I, I'm really excited about it. So I can't wait to see what they 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 bring us. Um, Vermintide is 
probably the best Warhammer game um, so far. They've released so many from so many different studios. Coming from coming from Vermintide, I, I, I'm really looking forward to what Dark Tide could be. And it is a PlayStation title. Any that speak to you, Spence? There was one game that caught my attention, and that was It Takes Two. And it's kind of just a, a co-op two-player game. I'm not even sure what it is or what happens, but it just looked really nice. I'm not going to say it looked fun or it looked cool. It looked nice. It looked lovely. And that's all I can really say. And I'd like to experience it probably with you. What what it looked like to me was a... It's a couple having a relationship problem. And they get put into a situation where there's that love book in there that turns them small and makes them kind of grow their relationship and feel the love again. It really appealed to me. I love co-op games. I love two-player like couch co-op or online co-op games. I really enjoy them. The gameplay features that were shown throughout it looked really fun. It just looked like a really charming, fun experience. And as long as it's not too heavy on the emotional distance between the two characters, as long as it's a little bit jovial, it'll be fine. If it goes full on like, no, I, I want a divorce. Right, I've been cheating on your on your sister this entire time. I want a divorce. Then this game isn't going to be fun. That sounds like a bug snacks uh, storyline, Davy. <laughs> it does. It does. Calm it down. Actually, does. Yeah, I didn't give a shit about anything else. Okay, next up for me was Disco Elysium, uh, the final cut. I don't know if you guys have heard of this game or played this game. So currently, I, I'm playing through it on PC, um, but just Disco Disco Elysium. This is a game about a detective who wakes up in a rundown coastal district uh, with a banging headache and a few dregs of memory. And basically, the, the whole game is to find out, you know, what 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 happened around you. There's been a murder in the town, and you've got to go around and sort of talk to people and sort of find out what what happened. This is coming to PS4 and PS5, uh, the fifth of March, two thousand twenty-one, with with quite a hefty upgrade actually. Um, they've added um, 150,000 new words to the game, which is quite a lot. So there's full voice acting for every character. There's new quests, new characters, and new areas. And they've also brought it up to 4K with the resolution, uh, sorry, 4K resolution wow. at 60 frames, which is quite yeah, a big massive. upgrade. This game absolutely mopped up, you know, the award sort of last year. It's, it is it is massive on PC. So it'll be interesting to see if the sort of console uh, market sort of pick it up. Yeah, I remember hearing about it last year and hearing how good it was and, and all that. But obviously, as as the audience knows, I don't play PC games. I'm not a complete geek. I'm not a complete nerd. And so I thought I'd wait. And at the end of the day, if a game's good enough, it comes to console. And so that's why I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, I've been, that's why I've been waiting for this release. So I was glad to see it. And I am intrigued and I definitely will check it out in March. It it is a big game, and you know I I definitely recommend it. Um, as I said, I've been playing through the the PC version, but there's a hell of a lot of reading. So uh, you guys have got it easy with all the new voice acting <laughs> in the game. You can just sit back and watch the story unfold. It is epic, honestly. I definitely recommend it. Well, I'll tell you, what, there's one game that really caught my eye actually, and when the trailer started, I popped off because it looks so familiar, and that's the game, the Callisto Protocol. I could have sworn I would have put my entire life savings on it being Dead Space 4. It looked identical. The way that Prisoner, who's in the cell in the trailer, has a little has a little like kind of health bar node on the back of his neck, just like Isaac Clarke does in Dead Space. And and I thought, oh my god, this is this is Dead Space 4. On the trailer, 
there's like a creature that grabs the guy in the cell. And I expected in Dead Space 2, when that game starts, you're in a cell just like that, but you're in a straitjacket. And you get grabbed by a guard who's just been turned into a necromorph. And so his face all falls apart. And he transforms in front of you while he's grabbing you. And it's one of the best openings of a video game ever. And I really expected that to happen. And when it didn't, I thought, oh, that's weird. That's a different design for a necromorph. When that didn't happen, I was thinking, what the, what the hell? What, which direction are they taking the Dead Space franchise next? And thank God EA for listening. Then it turned out it wasn't that at all. It is the Callisto Protocol. Separate game, but a spiritual successor. A couple of the same studio guys who have left to be able to go and create the game they want to do after this studio was cut down and totally eviscerated by EA after it gutted them out. It's just awesome to see these kind of spiritual successes come about and the creators to have that opportunity to be able to make what they want to make without the studios there to really crush that vision. Talking about spiritual successes, Davey, next up is is the game that I've been playing um, on Alpha, uh, Back for Blood. Um, so this is brought to you by uh, developers Turtle Rock, um, who were responsible for the original Left 4 Dead uh, series when they were owned by Valve. They also made the game Evolve. And I remember going to the NEC with yourself and you decided to queue for that. Was it worth it? I loved it. I loved Evolve. And I absolutely loved that game. I thought it was absolutely sensational. And the the awesome thing about it when I was queuing in the NEC was having a squad around you, all with headsets, all talking, all working in unison. And that was how that game was designed. Problem is you put it out into the wild and a game like that where you need so much team coordination doesn't work. Because as soon as you get a couple of people who don't have mics or, in you know, and they can't communicate with the team, it all falls apart. I didn't end up buying it. I thought, I'll wait a couple of months and I'll pick it up cheaper. And then I hear about how the player base has dropped from a couple of mil down to a couple of thousand and then down to a couple of hundred. And then there's rumors about it going to free to play. I just never got around to it. I kind of gutted that I didn't support it because I really enjoyed my time with it. So I'm glad to see Turtle Rock have got another crack at the Left 4 Dead formula, which I'm really surprised Valve has just left on the floor. Valve don't need to make games anymore. You know, obviously they own Steam. Um, yeah, so, of course. Yeah. You know, they, they, they've got their little side project, which is um, Half-Life Alex, um, but no one <laughs> that I know um, could afford a, <laughs> a Valve Index. So, Back for Blood. Back for Blood is a four-player cooperative game. Um, in the alpha, you get to take um, control of one of four characters. These characters are called Cleaners. You get to take control of either Walker, Holly, Evangelo, or who I took control of, a guy called Hoffman. Each, each character has their unique set of skills, set of weaponry, and set of cards. Okay? So when the game is launched, there's eight cleaners, but in the alpha, there's only four for you to, to pick out. You go up against a couple of different unique zombies. Um, the ones I've reached um, within the alpha are the Wretch. If you played the original, they're a bit like the, the, the Spitter or the Boomer. Um, a tall, bo- a tall yeah. boy, uh, an ogre. And a snitch, which is a bit like the witch, they scream and everything comes comes up, yeah, yeah comes yeah, alive. Yeah. Um, for me, this is a more complex version of Left 4 Dead with the unique card system, which I uh, previously mentioned. And the way that works is at the at the start of each level, 
players have to build their deck with the cards and adjust various elements of the gameplay, such as modifiers to the player's health, damage, and stamina, along with other player cards. The AI director, which is kind of like the constant throughout the game, will will play corruption cards, which are the cards that go against you. So these are modifiers for the zombies. So each game you play is meant to be unique. And so far, I've only actually played one game. <laughs> it's been proper unique then. I, I can say it's been properly unique. It's it, 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 it is very Left 4 Dead, but they don't... If it ain't broken, why fix it? But I, I, I feel like they are trying to like move forward with this idea of playing cards and like changing the gameplay. Because with Left 4 Dead, there, there was a handful of missions and basically you've replayed them and replayed them and replayed them. And each time you wanted to get a better score, a better time. And, and now with this, this augments that with the cards. I gotta say, I fucking hate cards in games. I hate it. I hate having your experience tied to random cards that you pick. I just really detest it. I don't like it at all. If you're doing a Left 4 Dead spiritual successor, you know what works, right? You know it's just about keeping it simple. It's about picking your person, going into that map, and just walking through it, just killing stuff. And it's fun. It's fun to play, right? And granted, it never came to PlayStation. So I played it on Xbox 360 with my wife. She had an Xbox, I had a PlayStation. We still managed to to hook up and get together, even though there was that massive split in our relationship, obviously. But we played Left 4 Dead, and we loved it. We played it all the time. I just don't like the idea of cards. I just think it's just a way to monetize people. I'm not sure that's the angle they're going for in the sense yeah, that they would sell... Like it'd be that kind of they, thing. They would sell microtransaction on cards. But, of course, I I, I don't know where the game is is going in that respect. But it, it doesn't feel like they're going to be like selling card packs a la Hearthstone or... Um, any any of those sort of games. Everything I've seen for Back for Blood so far has been phenomenal. I was really hyped to see it. I thought, oh my god, Left 4 Dead's back. I couldn't believe it. And so hearing that card system just immediately makes me think, oh no. I go to the negative part. I don't know why that is. I, I must have been spurred from games in the past with similar systems that I've just... Maybe a Street Fighter versus Tekken where the gem system. <laughs> maybe it's that. Maybe it's just really spoiled my view on on these kind of things, but if you're saying it's good, I'll I'll take your word for it. I mean, you're the person who's played it. As as I said, I've only really played the the first two missions in it, and yeah, it it, it is just left for dead, really. Um, but yeah, it's a great game, and I just want more of it. You know. Yeah, of course. It's not too long until it's out now, is it? Isn't it out early next year? It's alpha at the minute. I wouldn't have thought it'd be that really. So so we're saying it's alpha now. My notes say that it's out June twenty second on PS four, PS five. Xbox One, uh, Series X and S, and of course the PC. See, that's not too long. They, there we go. They, it won't be long until we're in open beta. Won't be long at all. I mean, you'll be talking, what, March maybe? It's a hell of an exciting game. If you look at Twitch now, it, it, it seems to be, you know, getting all the views. So, yeah. yeah. A lot of people are interested in this. Yeah, people are popping off for Left 4 Dead. I mean, we've all wanted Left 4 Dead for forever. So yeah. to see it come to PlayStation platform is really exciting for me. I really can't wait to sink my teeth into this. Um, I love I love zombie stuff. I mean, I know how sick of zombies we all should probably be at this point with how much we've got zombies in literally everything known to man. I still love shooting zombies. I just think they're great enemies. They're so fun, man. They're just such the perfect enemy. It doesn't get old, does it? I'm still watching um, The Walking Dead. You know, like, it doesn't get old. Jesus. Uh, that's insane. 
Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> that's that's, that's actually crazy. That's that's the craziest take of this entire podcast. They've got a new series out. They're still releasing yeah, material. I bet they do. Yeah. I bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> they should have ended it ages ago. But so what do you think of the <laughs> So what do you think of the the differences compared to Left 4 Dead? Does it feel pretty much exactly the same? Or is there is this some kind of key differences? Because what you've described so far, other than the card system, sounds pretty much identical. So is it that? Because if it is that, I will preference in saying I'm really happy for that. It's been long enough where I just want that experience again in just new maps. And I'm quite happy with that, quite contented. From my small amount of playtime, um, probably probably less than half an hour in the game, it, it it is that it is just that it is just left for dead reskinned you've got a couple of new players in there of course you've got eight different people so i don't i don't know what's coming after the four um i've seen some stuff on twitter about uh the fifth character called mum which seems quite interesting um and then of course you've got the unique zombies um definitely the ogre is is very different to the zombies that you had in in, in left for dead because he is huge you know he is a proper boss fight as such you know it's he, he towers above you and the first time well the way my playthrough ended was him like ruining me so yeah i can't wait to to see what that's all about the only thing is quite interesting that this year we've gone from having these games that we've wanted for a long time so with me with dead space and now you with left for dead right and we got these teams that split off and done their spiritual successors to their original franchises that made them big. Don't you find that quite interesting that's happened this year? It seems like, even though it's only two cases out of the entire spread that was shown at uh, Game Awards, quite interesting that these studios have now done this. And do you think we can see more of that in the future? Like, potentially you might get, I don't know, for example, a couple of ex-Valve employees might go off and make a rip-off of Portal, or there might be something else that that we might see the studios find some independence now that independent studios are something that obviously can get easily funded through, you know, Patreon or through Kickstarter, all these different different community-funded events. Do you reckon we'll see more of this in the future, or do you reckon this is just a one-off and this isn't something to take into consideration for years to come? Personally, I'm quite surprised that Valve didn't fight it. No, I completely agree with you. You know what I'm I mean? I'm amazed yeah. they got away with this as far as they did. Because from, as I said, my short playtime, it is Left 4 Dead in a new skin. It's exactly the same game. You know, the whole fundamentals of the game where you start in one place, you've got to fight your way through hordes of zombies, there's unique zombies throughout that, and then you've got to get to a base. And the way you pick up items, the way you operate, it's the same game. <laughs> so how has Valve allowed this? I don't know. Maybe it goes back to what you said earlier. Maybe they just don't care. They got that Steam money coming in. I mean, they got the original titles there. Can they put a? Can they really market that as being a unique product? I don't know. It's a shooting game, right? With zombies in it. There's like a million of them. So yeah, maybe they can't. Millions, yeah. Maybe they can't lock it down. Maybe it's just that. Maybe they could just say, "Look, I mean, the gameplay might be similar, but it's not exactly the same. We got a card system in it. It's different." <laughs> So maybe that's maybe that's all it is. Maybe they had to put these extra systems in to make that differentiation factor so they don't get sued. You never know. It might be as simple as that. You know, a couple of episodes we were talking about, you know, plates for the PS PS5 and, and how closely people could mod that. It's the same idea, isn't it? It's 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 an idea that we know that sells and someone else is gonna try and rip it off. 
when it came to the plates for PS5, obviously PlayStation fought that. Personally, I don't understand why Valve didn't fight that because it's a big IP for them. And ultimately, you've seen by the reaction of the crowd um, and how hyped everyone is and, and yourself of the game. Yeah, what, why, yeah did, why did they just let it go? That's the million dollar question. It is. It is. Do Valve actually care about game development anymore is such a such a big can of worms to open because they got so many franchises there that are multi-million selling franchises that they just do nothing with. And it really blows my mind because, you know, we talk about Xbox every now and again and we talk about how the fact they're mismanaging their IP and how the fact they've got nothing ready to show for their console and for stuff like that. Now, with Valve, it's a little bit different because obviously they've got Steam. So they don't have to do anything. They really don't. They just have to improve the user experience and keep the users happy, which are very happy on their service. And passionate about, aren't they? You know, when you buy things from Steam, that's your platform. It's like supporting a football team or, or anything. You you love Steam. You love Valve, you know? I do love Steam. There's there's not many companies out there that, that boast you know, the dedication of, of, of Valve has with, with with their customers. No, exactly. And, and and I think that's it, maybe. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're just like, yeah, we got a good relationship with Turtle Rock. Maybe Turtle Rock might have even approached them and said, look, we want to make Left 4 Dead 3. Do you want to do it? And they said, no. <laughs> you know, no. Actually, no, we don't. We're just going to work on our headset. We're going to put some VR stuff out. Do you want to make it VR? I said, no. I said, no, don't worry about it. Just go off and do whatever you want to do. And then they've just gone to a separate publisher, said, look, we want to make Left 4 Dead, but um, we need to make it slightly different. They're like, um, got a card system? Uh, yeah, can do. Th- that'll do. That'll be fine. And, th- and that's all it took. Maybe that, that is literally it. Maybe that's enough to get around copyright. I see what you mean with all this. Right. Um, I think they might have gone to Valve, and it makes sense for them to go to Valve, because obviously it's Valve's IP. But I just... Again, like you said, Valve probably don't give a... They don't care. And I don't think they have a single reason they care because no matter how well Back for Blood does, it won't affect the name of Left 4 Dead. Even if it does amazing, it'll just think, well, we can make Left 4 Dead free now and everyone will be like, let's go. And even if it does poor, in a few years down the line, they'll release Left 4 Dead free and everyone will be like, the true Left 4 Dead. The thing that Back for Blood couldn't have been. And also... I imagine they expect Back for Blood to be, like, to do best on PC, because Left 4 Dead was a PC-oriented game. I bet Back for Blood's going to be sold through Steam. Yeah, of course. So they're going to yeah. be making their money off the title regardless. So, yeah, they have zero reason to care. Yeah, maybe if it was going through Epic, maybe if it was going through the Epic Game Store, then maybe Valve might step in. Yeah, I would be livid if I was Valve and it went through Epic. Yeah, maybe they might step in with the lawyers then. I, I just don't see Valve doing that. They they seem pretty lackadaisical, really, about anything. Even when there's stuff that's been released on their platform that is really bad, it takes a lot for them to actually take it down. They they really don't care yeah. about anything it's like just, that. It's just mostly open. It's like an open platform now. All Valve themselves as developers really care about now is VR. So the last game that sort of stood out to me, it's probably a pretty obvious one, um, it's The Room King. This is Riot's uh, RPG. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's a it's a, it's a turn based uh, a lot like um, Final Fantasy, in the sense that 
you take control of a couple of different characters and you upgrade their skills throughout the game. So some of the names that have been thrown up uh, that are on the website at the moment are Misfortune, Alawi, Brom, Pike, Ari, and Yasuro. Uh, I suppose none of these really make any sense to you, Davey. Spence, I'm sure you've heard these names before. And you get to explore Bilgewater and the Shadow Isles. This game is due for release. Uh, 2021 on PC and consoles. So yeah, really looking forward to that. See what um, Riot does in the console marketplace. I didn't think that turn-based RPGs were your kind of bag. I know it's got the League of Legends license on it, Phil, but I'm surprised this is really tickling your fancy because when I saw it, the gameplay looked really boring to me. It looked really stale. Um, It looked like an old Final Fantasy game, but without any of the charm. Yeah, so I think you've only known my hatred or my dislike for the Final Fantasy series. I've, n- I've never really got into that. Um, but back in the day, I was big into Wild Arms. I loved the Wild Arms series. And I played a hell of... Oh, I didn't know that. I, pe- I played a hell of a lot of that. So uh, yeah, this this brought me right back. And of course, it is under the um, League of Legends kind of, you know, brand and the characters are repeated in there. So any- anything along those lines, you know, I'm definitely going to sort of give some time you know on on the phone at the moment i'm playing wild rift i'm playing a bit of uh, tft and of course um their card game as well so i i give them all a go and i think i will when this comes to console i'll probably buy unless the pc version is released first i probably will leave this to console to see how it turns out yeah i mean especially with a turn-based rpg you can't really go too wrong on a console i i mean this is pretty easy to control it's not like as if you need the detail of you know clicking a mouse button and clicking the right mouse button and whatever else comes with a WASD or whatever else comes with a, <laughs> comes with a PC. So it, it, sh- it should be pretty easy to control. He says as he looks at his keyboard. <laughs> I was. I was, actually. W-A-S-D. Yep. Why do people just use the up, down, left, right buttons? All the pros do, mate. They do. That's the secret. That's the secret we've been keeping from you all this time. So I mean, so, this thing doesn't make sense to me. You got the number, you got the number pad right next to it as well. So you know, I mean, all you have to do is just li- literally move your little finger over or whatever, and you can start hitting those buttons. I, I when I played, I remember I played AVP two. We're going off, by the way, boys. Um, strap in, everyone. I'm We're along, going off. I'm along for the ride. Bring a packed lunch. We're going off now. I remember I played AVP two on PC, right? Because it wasn't anywhere else. I couldn't play it anywhere else, and I loved. Obviously, I'm a massive fan of Aliens and Predator, so AVP, I had to play it. Played AVP 1, loved it. Bought AVP 2, and my mum's PC at the time couldn't run it. And so I put it in the lowest settings, and it was running at like literally one frame a second. It was horrendous, right? And so it sat on my shelf for years. My parents finally upgraded their PC, and I got to the game. The game came out in, like I think, like 2002, maybe. I played it in like 2008. And it was still, the servers were still live. People were still playing it, really buzzing online. I played that with up, down, left, right on on the keyboard. And then I had the number button set for my shortcuts, right? And it worked fine. And I was absolutely fine about it. And I was getting positive KDs and all this. I was sick of the game. So I just think maybe these pros just need a lesson from me. Maybe what what's the difference with WASD compared to having... Up, down, left, right, which is what it's intended. I mean, what else do you use those buttons it's for? Not, it's not. So, so, so the reason the reason you use uh, A, W, S, and D is because there's no more buttons around it that you can press, and you can bind them to certain things. So, looking at my keyboard, you have Q 
and E. And, you know, there's, there's lots of other buttons around it. So it's much quicker for you to press those buttons as opposed to your up, down, left, right, which has spaces around, Davey. You got you got CTRL, you got Alt there, you got Shift. Davy is shift scanning button. his keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I'm he said CTRL instead of Control. <laughs> <laughs> I just think at the end of the day, like, just you got you got a space bar right there, don't you? Just literally, just have it controlled. On fuck the mouse off. You don't need the mouse. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say most most people don't have two hands on the keyboard when they when they play games, but. <laughs> You know, each their own. <laughs> and that probably explains why your Master Yi was so shit. <laughs> yeah, that could Fuck be Fuck the mouse off. He just didn't <laughs> use the mouse. <laughs> God. Yeah, you don't need that. <laughs> it's like playing on the console without using the right stick. Don't you, you don't play with one arm. I play with one arm. Oh, mate, I've had enough of you. No, obviously I'm joking. But I am serious, though. When I played AVP, I played it up, down, left, right, and it took me ages to learn WASD. To me, ages to learn it. I just couldn't adapt. Um, yeah, that's an interesting story about me. Oh, all right, that's another that's another gaming faux pas that I've got <laughs> under my list. I didn't think I'd have any more, and they just keep coming. <laughs> so, Spence, any any thoughts on that on that game at all? I like the legends. I like the universe. I like the game. I don't care enough about the universe to make me want to play other games. Like Valorant, I've played. I love Valorant. I thought it was really good, but that's me. I'm like, I'm a fan of CSGO, so I was bound to like that. I'm sure the fighting game is going to be great as well, but I'm not so heavily invested that I'm just going to play a different genre game simply just because it's the same universe or the same characters. I don't care anywhere near that much. So, boys, my next topic and our last topic is going to be about Cyberpunk 2077, which, as we know, is the game I want to be remade. But what I want to know, firstly, have any of us actually played the game? Because I haven't. And I don't know about you boys. So, Davey, is you, have you actually played this game yet? No. No, I haven't. Um, i got to say, I wasn't on the hype train when this game was being shown. I'm not a massive RPG lover. The moment's really got to strike me for an RPG. And I got onto The Witcher, but Cyberpunk for some reason just wasn't sitting with me. It might have been the fact that it was launching so close to Demon's Souls and Mars Morales and all these other games that it just really wasn't on my radar. I, I'm the same. Um, Cyberpunk just, for whatever reason, just didn't appeal to me. It's, there's a lot of hype. Lots of people were talking about it and it it just seems set up to fail in my opinion. I, I don't know. I just got that feeling from it. I don't know what it was, some sort of sixth sense. Um, I looked into the crystal ball and I, I was just like, this this game just isn't for me. So, yeah, it, it hasn't turned out so great, has it? Sometimes, mate, age comes with wisdom. And I'm not saying necessarily that you have wisdom, because there's some takes that you have that I really don't agree with. But I think on this one, you were right. And I, I didn't think it was going to be a failure on launch. I thought it was going to be fine. I thought it was going to be a little bit buggy, like all big RPGs are on launch. But... I didn't think it was going to be to the state of this. I mean, granted, you look at it, right? It sold 8 million just on pre-orders alone, which is not a failure. That's bigger than most Sony exclusives or most exclusives generally. It's it's absolutely phenomenal yeah. in terms of its actual pre-sale. It is huge. Just the problem is how it's landed now and what they've done. They've really <laughs> fucked themselves. Um, you said how they had 8 million sold from pre-orders alone. 
this might be the only game in history that's the numbers reduced since launch. Because as we know, Cyberpunk has had to, because the game, the state the game was released in, it was so abhorrently bad. They've had to give people refunds to the extent that now Sony has straight up just removed Cyberpunk from the PlayStation Store, which as far as I know, has never happened. Especially not for a AAA title. I've never seen it happen. I've literally never seen them, after a game's launch, go in and actually retroactively remove it from the store so people cannot buy it. I've never seen that. No. And I've never seen them do mass refunds either. Sony are really bad at their refund process. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's actually a case of, if you touch the game, if you actually play it, even for a second, that's it. You can't get a refund. So this is unheard of in my experience. Yeah, I think it's the same for me. So I think, I think it's curious that this game could be literally the only game in existence to have such a massive pre-order number, but then due to the amount of refunds that we'll probably see, which I imagine will be quite a lot, it might actually have a lower initial player base than the pre-order amount. But that, but that's just down to their marketing, you know. Their their marketing marketing has been phenomenal from what I've been seeing on sort of social media. You know, every streamer, every YouTuber under under the sun has received a cyberpunk package. You know, they've been getting mice sent to them. They've been getting you know balls to go on their Christmas tree. They've been they've been <laughs> even sending out um, graphics cards to certain streamers. You know, some of the bigger ones. Yeah. And, all their messaging obviously is 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 hugely positive, but then since the game has come out, you'll 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 see a tweet going out going, "Oh, thank you, CD Projekt Rad, thank you for all this you know stuff you sent me," and then every comment underneath is "broken game, dead game, broken." Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's working um, against them now, you know, because it's 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 literally in every timeline I'm I'm looking at across all social medias. What's absolutely insane, right? is how this game has turned around. Because CD Projekt Red went from being a studio which nobody could find fault with, right? You go back even six months ago, or even even three months ago from now, and the memes that were going around were about how it was showing like a game that was launched, a game that was delayed, and then saying, oh, well, CD, uh, CD Projekt Red, how their games they launch are always phenomenal, right? Now, people have short memories. So when The Witcher 3 launched, it launched as a buggy mess. And it took months for it to actually get sorted. But the problem was that game was phenomenal. It was actually great. Granted, for me, it's not anything special because it's too big. It's too much for me, personally. But in terms of an actual game and the experience there, it's phenomenal. I bought it a year after release. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. Spent 80 hours with it fucking nowhere <laughs> but really enjoyed it i went into this game with the same kind of mindset knowing that i'm not going to be playing it now i'll wait till the next gen patch for when it gets launched on next gen officially and i'll dive in then because i know it's gonna have bugs i didn't expect it to have the level of bugs it has and to see the community really turn against it like it has done really surprising for me i i didn't anticipate this level of hate towards it, which is warranted in this case. Davey, I've got a question for you. In 2077, what makes someone a criminal? The proper criminal act is not sharing this podcast with your friends. So please can you go out, share this podcast, 
Write into the email as well. It does help. As you can see, we're featuring more and more listener comments and they are really engaging our conversation in different ways that we might not necessarily take it. So that is the actual criminal act. Also, sub into my YouTube. If you don't sub to my YouTube, you're, you're in jail. You're banned. But, you know, that, that's secondary. You don't have to do that. If you do the others, you're, you're fine. Right, boys. So as Davey said earlier, there's not a single bad thing you can think of that CD Projekt Red did bad or did poorly before this game, right? They were such a famed developer. Can either of you think of a single example of a time they've messed up? Any, anything? No, but I can think of a, a similar developer that has done exactly the same thing recently. Media Molecule. They're a beloved studio. And, and, and it just takes one game for everyone to totally disregard them. You know, CD Projekt Rad now, like, is dirt. The name is gone, in my opinion. The interesting thing is, unlike Media Molecule, CD Projekt Red released The Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, which no one gave a fuck about. No. Nobody gave a fuck about. And they're, they're good games by all accords, but they're not, they're not on the same level as Witcher 3. Difference is Witcher 3 was such a step up, and it was such a big step into the limelight for that, for that studio, that it pushed them forward. Now, granted, this studio behind GOG, and GOG's a service I've used myself, and I don't play PC games, but I bought my wife, The Witcher, and I bought a couple of games on GOG for my wife. And it's a good service. It's a really good service. And their history of the studio is really interesting because they got their start porting games into Eastern Europe where it was a communist state at that time uh, being controlled by uh, East Germany and being in that kind of wing of Europe. They got their start importing games from the West into them and that's how they gained their notoriety. And they, they were quite involved with kind of pirating activities, really. It's quite a murky background. That's why GOG's such an open platform in terms of reselling keys and doing all this different stuff that you can do on it. And they've not stood in the way. So they've had a lot of community support and a lot of community praise because of how consumer-friendly they've been. Now, for whatever reason, they decide to show this game on everything they've shown on either next-gen systems or on PC, and they market it as being this technically beautiful game which it is on PC, it looks absolutely phenomenal on PC. And people get into their head that they're going to have that experience, like you obviously would do for marketing material, on your PS4, your Xbox One, which are the biggest systems in the world. And so you get the mass market buy into these systems, realize they're getting an inferior product. And not just inferior in terms of, say, playing Mars Morales on PS5 to PS4. I mean, in comparison to having a product that actually runs and one that doesn't even fucking work. And then they realize, holy shit, I've been fucked. Nothing's been shown. And the reviewers weren't even able to show me what I was in for because they had an absolutely fucked review system. What they've done is they managed to literally just nuke their own support system immediately. And it's just completely destroyed any consumer trust in that entire company, literally frame one. And it's just the worst thing to see. I haven't seen a company implode like this in my life. Yeah. I've seen the backlash on EA, which when EA releases something that everyone hates, like Battlefield 2, for example. The difference is that game still sells 12 million because the general consumer market doesn't give a shit mm. about any of the 
aggressive monetization or any of that stuff. So it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't hit them in the back office. But this is so harmful to the company because it's built on trust. Do you think this game will still sell, though? Because it, it's still in Tesco's. It's still in all the supermarkets. It's still placed at the top of the shelf where the newest game would be. It's still a big game. Not everyone, you know, subscribes to all the different outlets that you do. You know, not everyone is on Twitter. You know, I, I, I might be a father or as a mum like I was in the last episode. And I might be going <laughs> to the store and I might be like, oh, here we go. My son is the newest game. Top of the shelf, cyberpunk, big lights. It's marketed everywhere. The marketing is brilliant for it, as I said earlier. So the game probably is still going to sell, isn't it? 100% it would sell. But the difference is most people now buy digital rather than physical. That split has happened now. It is mostly a digital marketplace. This will definitely hurt them. My theory with this is that instead of them focusing on their strengths and saying, right, let's bring it to one platform first and then expand on that's yeah i completely agree they should have said we're going to focus on the pc build get it right get it done then we bring it to next gen then we bring it to ps4 that's the way they should have done it if you were going to do this and you wanted to launch it why not say look i'm sorry console players it's gonna have to wait pc is going live now on Xbox, Game Pass, or whatever the fuck you got to do to make those people happy, it's going to be available for you when it launches for free. Maybe you do something like that to maybe alleviate those consumers because they had a marketing deal with Xbox at the time anyway. Just fucking do something like that instead of doing this marketing launch, which just totally destroys any consumer faith. People would have waited. I guess you're talking about the, you know them launching with an MVP, right? So the minimal viable product they should have launched with something just on PC, just a cut down version of the game. If if they weren't ready, which they obviously aren't, right? A cut down version of the game where then they could drip feed everybody based on the hype of the PC game that everyone wants, then through to console. I think that would have been a much better strategy, as you just said, David. Yeah, it's a way that sure you're gonna have console players upset. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it also builds anticipation. Same way that I'm not interested in it now, but if I had all these people talk up about how good Cyberpunk is on PC, and I knew it was coming to PS5 in February, I might just want to buy it in February. But did they have the faith in the game? That's my question. Did they have that level of faith? Because it is a new IP. Okay, it's based you know, on, on the hype of The Witcher. People are like, what's their next game? But I, I, I'm not sure that, that works in the same vein there, Davey. I think it does, because you talk about like Naughty Dog, right? When Naughty Dog were talking about The Last of Us, we all paid attention because they'd done yeah, Uncharted. We knew it was going to be big. So the studio is very important to the marketing now. Whereas in years gone by, you know, back in the PS2 generation, that wasn't really a thing. Nobody really talked about a studio outside of Konami. And it was the PS3 generation that that really seemed to come to the forefront of game development. You noticed the studio and the title and you knew what was coming and you knew what was happening. And so... Anything by CD Projekt Red, you're going to take notice because The Witcher 3 is massive. I just don't know what made them do this. I've looked at their investor call. Their investor call, they make it pretty obvious that they weren't being pressured by outside organizations. They weren't being pressured by their investors or anyone else to release the game. They just felt like after three delays, they had to do I it. I think it was more of a case of being pressured by the public. 
rather than anyone that actually should have been important. You know what I mean? Maybe. At the end of the day, you've got investors there, which are your biggest worry when you're a publicly traded company. They're the people you've got to keep happy. And if you're releasing a product which has been in development for, what, seven years, and it's a bag of fucking balls, then what are you going to do? You can't reverse time. It's like Miyamoto said. You want to get one chance to release a game, and it's got to be done right. If it, I'm obviously paraphrasing. And if and if that pressure, right, is, is coming from the community, is coming from, you know, your potential uh, customers, then you, you've, you've, you've let them in too early. I think if if that pressure is too much for you, you've given too much away early doors, haven't you? Yeah. For them to want it that much, you need to hold back. You should have you should have like uh, as I said, drip feet fed them, like at a later date with that information. Well, I think this is a problem that's massive around the gaming, um, the gaming circle especially, is that they announce things way too early. I mean, you look at Bethesda; it was two years ago they announced that they were working on the Elder Scrolls. Starfield, all these different games, right? And they're saying, oh, well, um, the Elder Scrolls we announced, um, well, actually, we got to get Starfield out before we actually start active development. And so you're talking, so you're actually talking 10 years away from now. Why the fuck are you talking about it yeah. now? Like, what is the point? What does that serve anyone? All that means is every single interview you go into, they say, oh, um, can you give us any information on the uh, no. next Elder Scrolls game? Exactly. What what's the point? Like, why even bother going there? You're just putting pressure on yourself. Like, unne- you don't need to do that at all. There's n- there's no reason for it, is there? And it's not like they were a studio under pressure, were they? They've got every Witcher game going, and it's a popular franchise. It's not like I'm I'm a new company trying to you know make my space um, within the video games industry. No, you're CD Projekt Red. You're famous for The Witcher. Just leave it as that. Just make people think you're making the Witcher games. You don't need to go, oh, we've got this new IP and then everyone gets all that pressure on you. You just didn't need to go down that route. No, I just honestly don't understand the rationale behind it because if it was investors saying to them, look, you've got to put this out because we need our quarterly earnings in for our share price and our dividend. Okay, I understand that then. But on their investor call, they literally state on there that there was no outside pressure. It was just their decision to launch it and they didn't test it enough on all the systems. Well, that isn't a fucking good excuse. And they can blame COVID or they can blame anything else on that. I don't think that's a rational excuse because if it was, you'd have games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Demon's Souls, you'd have all these other games that have launched within the same time frame working under COVID restrictions that would have similar things and they don't. So... Why is it just unique to them? That's the thing. I don't I don't think that excuse holds water. And I think it's just a case of mismanagement. And I think from what you said, Phil, they showed it way too early. They showed a teaser trailer when they literally had no reason no. to. I think I, I, I kind of have an argument in their, on their side for that. And obviously, as, uh, as Phil said, they should have just kind of rode The Witcher because it was so successful and all that. However, The Witcher didn't come out until 2014, 2015. The Witcher 3 anyway, the game that made them famous because no one played Witcher 1 and 2, at least not until after Witcher 3 came out. And they announced Cyberpunk before Witcher 3 came out. So they weren't a well-known studio when they announced this game. So obviously they probably saw Witcher 1 and 2 come out and 
it did okay, didn't do amazing, and they thought, let's try something else, let's try Cyberpunk. And then they released Witcher 3, whilst they were in development for some fucking reason, don't know what, why they did that. And the Witcher 3 blows up, and they think, oh shit, let's, let's make Witcher 3 even better, and they just kept prolonging Cyberpunk, to the point where the hype built up to what it is today, and they just couldn't do it. I think they're a great studio, I do still think they're a great studio. I don't think there's anything wrong with the game. I, I think the game I think the game in terms of actually if it worked, if it wasn't a buggy absolute shitstorm, yeah, yeah. it would be fine. I think the content they've put in there and the reviews that I have seen about the game are really mm. promising. I think one of the options they had open to them, um, if they did want to release, you know, cross platform and, and, and cross generation, um, would have been to go down the episodical route of saying, here's the first part of the game. In six months, we're going to give you the next part of the game, but it's free. Okay. Right? You've already bought the game. You've already. We're not trying to. We're not trying to sell you it. I, I saw the eyebrows there. We're not trying to sell you extra versions of the game, but we're just saying it's going to come. You've kind of bought a season pass because that's that's a big thing that within consoles where you you buy a season pass for a certain amount of time, and with whatever um, content that's released within that period, you get that for free. Why wouldn't they do something like that if the game wasn't ready? I think it's transparency is the big thing here, isn't it? And I think for me, you're looking at it and you're saying, right, well, if they spoke to the audience and they said, this is what's going to happen. And I'm sorry, but we can't fulfill what we originally promised. But this is what you're going to get. You're going to get the first 10 hours of the game with a load of side quests open. And then in three months time, you're going to get the next 10 hours and so on, so on for the next three or four months, right? People would be pissed off, understandably. But you've got this sale. <laughs> so, you know, fuck them at that point, right? <laughs> like, they're going to get the content. Fuck them. That's the way it is. Like, Walking Dead did that for me for three seasons. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to yeah. happen. I, I, um, I don't feel like it's such a foreign thing to do these days. No, I agree. To say, I actually think you're to so say right. that the game... To say that the game's going to come out in six months, but by the first four hours or eight hours or whatever it is, you know, this is the first part of the game. You want it now. Here it is. Yeah. You know, and and polish that up to the level that it should have been, you know, rather than basically lying to everybody and saying, here's a full game when actually you knew it wasn't. Your point makes a lot of sense, especially whereas what they could have done is obviously it's kind of an open world game. They could have just split the world in half or split it uh, as much as they had to for the story. And then even once you're done with the story in the first episode, you could still explore. You could still fuck about with the game. It'd be awesome. I think that completely warrants the price, especially if you're going to get more story later on. I think that's perfect. That actually makes so much sense for what they could have done. Episodic, single platform, could have done either. I think this is one topic we can all agree on. Uh, the handling of this game has been... Dog shit. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. So that's everything we're going to cover off on this episode of MPS We Trust. I really hope you've enjoyed the episode. And again, as I said before, there's two ways you can really help the show. The first one, please share it with your friends, family, anybody that you think would be interested in the world of PlayStation. And the words of wisdom that myself and Spencer have to speak. And a little bit of Phil <laughs> as well. And also, apart from that, write into the email psvtrust at gmail.com if you've bought cyberpunk if you've got any views opposing ours or anything you want to add to the conversation 
I will gladly read it out, especially if it doesn't agree with us because it gives us extra talking points and ways to evaluate our own decisions on things. But thank you very much for listening. I've been Davey. I've been Phil. And I've been Spencer. Take care, guys. Thank you, China, and peace. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at SSJDavy, at PhilipHoy, at SpenPi underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.